But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Welcome to episode 82 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron and today I'm joined by Tom Kennett, Troy Weaver. And if someone can give me a drum roll. We got one. Rory Ford returns <laughs> part-time. He's going to be going after an hour. So if he cuts away, he's ditched us to play Skittles, which is maybe the most insulting thing you could do other than not come on. It is a big sport. Tell Pub sport in England. It <laughs> it's effectively temping bowling with nine wood pins, wood balls, and you play in a pub. What? And, a, and a young boy as well. There's a couple of young boys involved, usually. <laughs> they do what's called sticking up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they put the pins up. There's no electronic thing coming down sticking your pins back up. All right, well, this what, isn't Hollywood Bowl. What I'm thinking is, due to this being McGregor-Khabib fight week, which if you're tuning in just for that, you're going to have to wait a little bit. So we may have new listeners this week, so... We're the, four of the originals, but Rory flits in and out. Troy comes in for the MMA, and me and TK cover where we need to. Got nothing better to do, so I might say. <laughs> well, Rory, then, you've been away, I would say. Seven months. Seven months. Yeah. So if we give you 15 seconds, round up everything that's happened in the last seven months. Well, I had to take a temporary hiatus from the pod due to work commitments, new job and all that. So, uh... Your 15 seconds is up. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it, work. <laughs> Moved apartment and now he's back in business. Our we sponsors go. are still not quite coming through with the uh, <laughs> with, our, with our salaries yet for us to do this full time, unfortunately. But yeah, We did actually have sponsors one week and then we had a friend who was actually looking for a new mattress for the company we won't promote for free. <laughs> um, so we, were, we gave him the code and he said, by the way, um, it has to be like a £500 mattress to get, to get the 10% off. <laughs> so it didn't quite work. So, Can't even uh, claim mileage. No, so actually what we'll do instead is we'll take the moral high ground and we bring you this free of charge with no sponsors or adverts. Okay, so to familiarise you, Rory, openers keep things a bit fresh, so... This has all changed since last time I was on. Yeah, we like to give people a bit more to think about. We give them up-to-date news and all sorts. So essentially, I'll take any birthdays, weddings, divorces, events that have happened on this day in history. So are we basically like in a historical reveal magazine at the first five minutes of the pod? Yeah, you tune in. Um, I'm trying to... Th- we're like the Nuts magazine covering all sorts, but we're a bit more serious. I mean, we're not exactly like Nuts magazine. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've looked at the faces around the table. <laughs> what do you think we've got Rory back for? <laughs> Well, certainly not for the tits, I, I hope. <laughs> no, that's what you got me for. <laughs> All right, so on this day in 1975, we had a thriller in Manila. Muhammad Ali stops Joe Fraser in 14 in Quezon City in the Philippines. 
which we've had a rip-off of Ali today with Fury and Wilder claiming they're going to oh pretend to spar at right. the press conference. Yeah. But no one is actually referencing that it is in homage to Ali, so it, they're playing it off as this brand new thing. Yeah, I don't know if you've actually yeah. seen TK, but what they, this, this happened and then they said they had to abandon the press conference after 20 minutes because it got too physical. <laughs> they probably only scheduled for half yeah. an hour. Well, they only rented the room out. They knew exactly what he was doing. Well, literally, they insulted each other in Belfast and then started hugging after. They are literally... But <laughs> They only have 30 minutes on the electric meter. They had yeah. to get out early. Well, it's one of the things, like, the bloke who sits opposite me at work said, oh, have you seen the Fury stuff? And I told him, like, they are mates. Like, they do this. And he goes, well, you ruined it now. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you just killed his wrestling <laughs> dreams, though, pretty much. Oh, well, come on, get in the game. The other, only other thing, which we may have a bit of a conversation here. On this day in 1992, Cartoon Network began broadcasting. Ah, there you go. And the question I was going to have, so we've got Troy, the OG, the older one here. Rory's the young pup. Me and TK are around the same kind of place. So if I ask, assuming you watch some cartoons, what would you call the defining cartoon of your growing up strictly on Cartoon Network. So I remember vividly when, when we got cable installed and uh, the, the nice gentleman that did it actually left the channel on Cartoon Network when he left. Yeah, my mum didn't wasn't impressed, but <laughs> me and the boys was happy. And Dragon Ball Z is my main standout. It used to be on at five o'clock every day. Uh, I used to go out when I used to come home from school. We'd play over the conquer tree smash some shit up, do whatever, check some bitches, and then come back for 5pm shot to watch DBZ two episodes, and then you'd watch that until like 9 o'clock when it was finished. Then on a Friday, at 9 o'clock when it finished, Nitro started. WCW Nitro. <laughs> that channel was the shit. Yeah, what? it was great. Well, I literally sent you earlier from uh, watching Battle Rap, and I was saying how strange it is that you can have all these like hood people there dressed up or nodding their head looking uh, I don't say vicious but, or yeah. something maybe I don't know but they all still then react to a Dragon Ball Z bar as if it's yeah. as if they're suddenly like gone back like 20 years yeah my sister's a massive like anime fan like huge like and she she often says that it's, it's something quite strange yeah. that Dragon Ball Z kind of attracts a lot of people you know from all different angles really I think with Netflix now they're picking stuff up so you're getting kind of more mm. get get on one punch man on Netflix um, Rory so as the youngest of the group this is gonna go if cartoons yeah, were still going <laughs> no well to be fair all I really remember watching all my two favourites were Scooby Doo and Tom and Jerry so and I don't even know if they were Cartoon Network. They were. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Sure they weren't, they sure they weren't Boomerang. Well, you're picking nits there, boy. But it's, yeah, all, all the, the same, same really. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. You were a hipster if you went on the Fox Kids instead. No. But they did have the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon. I'm think the main one that was clearly Ed and Neddy. I hated that. Are you joking? Wow. Most of yeah. it. Wow. Then, then there was like my younger brother's sort of age, like Cow and Chicken, Ed, Ed, Neddy, Powerpuff <laughs> Girls, Jesus, Dexter's oh. Laboratory. Some of these programs Dexter's are fucking bizarre. Class. Oh, Dexter- Recess is the one. Like really, oh, if we're yes. going to be serious Channel. here. Yeah, yeah, that was a Disney Channel production, but that still stands the test of time today. Dexter's Lab's on uh, Netflix as well. When, oh, I, when I'm ill, sometimes I'll slap YouTube on and I will put Recess on because there's about three and a half hours of it. And uh, yeah. Well, I'll I do still <laughs> record some cartoons when I need a little 15 minutes while I have my tea. I do still watch the Ed and Neddy Christmas special each year to get, no. me, get me pumped. 
But Ed and Eddie is top dog and then probably uh, Dexter's lab. Codename Kids Next Door was when you were nearing the edge of uh, your time. Probably more Rory's time. And Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah, I'll be honest. Ed, Ed and Eddie and Dexter's lab was kind of covering me. Dexter's such a genius that can do all this shit on his own in this lab, but you never have an episode where his sister walks in on like, him having a tug or something. <laughs> he, he actually taught me <laughs> it's what... Not, it's not realistic enough. He right? actually taught me the difference between verbs, nouns and adjectives. Like, I'm not even shitting <laughs> Educational. you. Educational. Yeah, like he did that before teachers did it, so <laughs> shout out Dexter. Ginger, um, not Dexter, was the founder. Don't put yourself out of that bracket, you're in there as well. Dexter was the founding father of Team Ginger before Canelo took over. That's PD. Well. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was probably the one making them in that <laughs> lab. <laughs> yeah, <he was> <laughs> Alright, so then um, next thing, the strangest news headlines this week. So we've got three and I would say a couple of weeks back we peaked and it's just not going to get any better than that where... There was a Chinese woman who picked a rat out of her soup and then the restaurant staff offered to pay for an abortion. It doesn't get much better hey, than that. Yeah, You heard right. You yeah. don't need any context. Yeah. They lost about 175 grand. The way we first started was I would take the headlines with no context. But as some have gone on, you do very much need them as for one of the ones we have here. Um, well, we found that one, didn't we? Yeah. So the, the first one... The first one is um, man's dream proposal turned into a, more of a nightmare after he and his girlfriend got lost up a mountain. Essentially, he thought this would be a good idea, so they walked around eight miles, more than three thousand feet, up to the thirteen thousand feet summit, and then got lost. She can't say no. So, the, she did say yes eventually, but they didn't actually propose up the mountain. They had to then <laughs> wait till they got down. Basically, they got lost. They were found by campers, and uh, the man had severe altitude sickness. <laughs> not being funny, but if I walked that far and then got down on one there, I wouldn't be getting back up. <laughs> no, I, I remember I did my Duke of Edinburgh bronze award, and the hike comparable. This is exactly, exactly the same as Well, I'm going to say I was probably moaning more. We were at Cleve Hill, and they were. We've been walking 28 minutes. <laughs> Forget your artery syndrome. You should have seen the blisters he had on his feet. Oh no, they were actually bad. But I saw earlier there was a kid in our camp who. I, I don't know how he went to our school. One of the stupidest kids I've ever come across. Like, the the point where you think they're, like, joking. But, no, he was that bad. And he got the moaning in early. And I saw the backlash he had. And I thought, right, that would have been me if you'd given me an extra two minutes. <laughs> and so everyone bought their, like, camping, hiking boots. And I thought this was just a myth. I thought, essentially, they were getting boots just so they didn't get completely muddy and the they were, and they had a the bit part. more grip, so I got these one fifteen pound from shoes on. I think actually my uncle got them for me. Um, I soon realised how much of a bad idea that was, and hiking boots really are a thing. So the the, blist, the blisters I had were horrific. Not the worst I've had, but they were definitely up there. And I didn't take into account the food either, and so I had a bag of Haribo free the way, and then a, a tin of beans to cook when we got there. And some other couple of snacks, but one of the teachers when we first got there said, I know none of you have been stupid enough to bring any sweets, because like I've said before, all you're going to have is a sugar rush. And on a long trip like this, you're not going to want to have that because you're going to get low. So I thought if I lengthened them out and had one every like two minutes. Yeah, that's 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 legit. Yeah, but that's meant to be I legit shit. Sweets. 
you know, obviously little bits of chocolate and stuff like that if you're growing up a mate in sl- like small amounts of it but yeah. they said essentially they would fail you if you had your phones it was against one of the rules yeah. so I actually stayed true which you wouldn't believe now and didn't bring my phone I was the only person who didn't bring their phone and so yeah long long two days for me uh, the, my overriding memory is struggling to walk and some kid playing Fix Up Look Sharp by Dizzy Rascal and singing along, which is the last thing I wanted to hear <laughs> at that point. All right, I did complete it, though, just about a couple of wrong turns. One, There was actually one group who were in front of us and they obviously had a lot more time on their hands because they were pushing like logs and things into the path to make it more difficult for everyone coming after oh, wow. them. And still managed to go the wrong way. You don't want to have everybody in your school saying Duke of Edinburgh Bronze Award on their CV, do you? <laughs> Separate the object. The <laughs> I don't want to discredit the Duke of Edinburgh Award, but you passed having survived two days on a tin of beans. <laughs> it sounds a bit like a frosted swimming badge, I've got to be honest. I, I had some snacks as well, and it wasn't just that. So there's several things. So I did some football coaching as part of it um, for my brother's team, actually. And the other thing was... Playing, playing football for Brockwith, so it helped out. We don't talk about people like that on this podcast, <laughs> we're above that. Which actually, um, on to the next topic. Um, robot brothel not welcome in Houston, says Mayor. <laughs> here, here. Any context required on that one? Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the Houston Mayor is pushed back <laughs> against the opening over. of a robot brothel in the city where punters could pay $60 for sex with a lifelike doll and he actually for the first go said they could try it with no charge to see if they would want to purchase one after Um, and you would think that maybe it's like ethical reasons and it is but the mayor has said that he thinks it's worse for these things to be made for that not that the people would then have access to these kind of things so he's thinking for the lifeless object more I'm hoping that they don't have like a display of them like you go in and try a shoe on it's the same well, one that everyone well, tries well, out yeah. before they buy it well wait yeah. for this sir <laughs> <laughs> so then, the car you take out for a drive it's always the same one yeah. make sure you're the first one in <laughs> so, so they're said to be made out of silicon which is the closest resemblance to the feel of skin Possible and um, it heat it heats up it heats so, up during use. So gross. So yeah, they're between so two and five grand. And wait, this so the guy was concerned that brothel was going to give it a bad name, and so he asked for it to be called a warehouse. Which I'm not sure why that sounds any nicer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> apparently it does and he's told the the Washington Examiner that he aims to set up another 10 outlets across the US by 2020 and they will all be successful every single one of them no because eventually it's going to get to like artificial intelligence and they're just going to overthrow us because they're going to convince these people who are going to these places and it's going to be like oh, I robot. made of silicon eventually they'll get to that point I worry what it's going to do for the current prostitution business. You're going to be putting poor innocent hookers out of business. I know. <laughs> they have to lower the prices or what? They're going to be like the uh, the black cab with the Uber driver. Again. <laughs> I've seen you them. can't say have a go and see if you want to buy me, can you? <laughs> well, they've actually tweeted uh, the, the black cab driver saying they're protesting outside the Uber office at how disgraceful it is. Lower your prices. Yeah, exactly. Don't. Oh, I remember when I went with uh, Luke Mann and we went to watch the Groves fight. And we got in a taxi and all of them were saying like 80 quid, 80 quid. And this bloke's gone 20 quid. So we're like, oh, geez, this is, this is class. <laughs> Give him the 20 quid. He's literally pulled up the station, got on this main road and he went, 
looking a bit busy and I thought lads it's going to be more so you can either pay me more now or you can get out <laughs> <laughs> holy shit he's seen you yeah. coming didn't he yeah we got up we got up to 80 quid between us and oh, and we said oh it's just around the corner you want to meet us lads you can have to get out <laughs> What a prick. Yeah, complete scumbag. Absolute legend. <laughs> he saw vulnerable Byron coming and he just yeah. thought, here comes the meal ticket for the week. I actually was happy to get the tube, but the other two weren't, which knowing me, you might think it would have been the other way around. Um, okay, the, the last one, possibly the most outrageous. Heinz, Heinz bottles it. Salad cream name is staying. Yes. <laughs> what? Heinz has backtracks on its decision to rename salad cream to sandwich cream, saying we can't ignore the will of the people. <laughs> a survey carried out by the company found 87% of people wanted the salad cream brand to remain and rejected the alternatives of fish finger sauce, no, chip sauce, and roast potato sauce. Why would they go with any of these? Who are these people that are salad cream on their roast potatoes? The clue's in the fucking name. Salad cream. <laughs> Cream for your salad. You can't be calling a product fish finger sauce, I've got to say. That's that's x rated. Especially when it has no fish in it. Like, that would give you the impression when it has, like, like a tuna spread or some (laughs) shit. You could actually do that as, like, a double bill with the robot robot brothel. You get your fish finger sauce on the way out. (laughs) What, to make the smell legit? (laughs) I wonder. I wonder if they're going to do like a second referendum on the big vote of it. Just like, no, no, we need to have another t- give a sandwich another try. Yeah. On the on the way out of the tube station on um, Saturday, me and Troy, there was this little gathering and there was this big clipboard. Um, sorry, a big whiteboard with people sticking pins in it. And oh, it, was, yeah. it was a it was a Finsbury Park's Brexitometer. Yeah. <laughs> Bear in mind we were in Finsbury Park. Okay? And he, was, he was asking people to pin on how much they would want another vote. So it was like, like, do you think it's going well? Do you think it's not going well? You and can imagine where it was. Yeah. No survey, strongly agree, agree. Yeah. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Two, two minutes down the road, we saw an abandoned bag of used nappies, oh, which yeah. might tell you the might tell you the area. Because when Troy pointed at her, at first I thought it was like a kebab wrapper or like a burger or something. And then I clocked. And then I was to a- stop him from grabbing it. See <laughs> 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 You like a good burger, let me tell you. Okay. Take up your hang old Byron burger. What are you waiting for? On to UFC on to UFC two two nine. Welcome to the show, ladies and gents. Are you glad you came back, Rory? This is what you're back for. Glad to be back. <laughs> Connor claimed he was coming back and said, I have his word, but his his word as a man means uh, not too much to me. Okay, so we've started fight week with Sean O'Malley withdrawing because he's been popped by USADA. Um, under USADA's new rulings, they now say that they don't declare it until they have an outcome, which doesn't really work when you pull someone off a card on fight week and they just have no reason for it. So he said he wants to be up front. He's convinced it's a tainted supplement. And we all. <laughs> and has passed it on to uh, the UFC and USADA to check out. I've got, right. I've got an article coming out this week with Jesse Taylor and he was popped for what he called a tainted supplement, which I don't want to dig him out, so hopefully he's not listening. But later in, <laughs> la- later in the interview, he says how sick he is of people using a tainted supplement excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that until I listened back earlier. He does then clarify about them getting let off and he didn't get let off, so I suppose uh, he's got some kind of point. 
Um, just to run through the card so then. he's just angry that other people <laughs> were getting let off and he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've got... Um, but the first meaningful fight is uh, Sergio Pettis against uh, Juice Formiga, which is, as if you take Demetrius Johnson out of the picture, which is a bit strange to say, it's probably as close to a number one contender's spot as you're going to get in that division. And the interesting thing when you break it down is um, Juice Formiga is 0-4 uh, and four in fights that he's not secured a takedown. And then you look at Sergio Pettis's last fight, and his takedown defense was great against um, Joseph Benavidez in a fight where I think all of us picked against him mm. purely for the wrestling. So I think this one could be a bit of a banger because sometimes when you get the... He's not a wrestler, he's more of a, like a judo guy who can't get a takedown. They think, all right, we're just going to have to stand and bang it out. So I think it could get into one of those. And Sergio Pettis' hands have been quite crisp recently. Um, the only other thing that when you look into it is a lot of the takedowns that... Petters had to defend. He's never really faced a judo guy, and Formiga is a judo black belt, mm. and so his main way of getting the takedown is getting the body lock in close and getting the trip, which looking through Petters' opponents, he's never had to deal with before. So, and I don't know if what the record is. Someone might have to say in terms of Sergio and Anthony being on the same card. I was just thinking that myself. I was if just they to ask you. they've been on several times, but I don't know if they oh, if I they always it. win and lose, or if they lose and win, or if they split it. Or Spe- speaking of his brother, they're not. They're not the same on the ground either, you no, know. No. Not not by far. I think Sergio really does lack that. Uh, well, his ground game is yeah, quite there. His defense the against Brandon Moreno that, was good, but he's not very. Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he's not very offensive on the ground, but defensively, I think he's got enough to be able to. And so, certain, yeah, yeah. And so sometimes with a guy where they're so desperate to get the submission, is where you get maybe he gets taken down the first round. He can't get the submission, and they burn their legs and arms out trying to get it with the body lock and trying to get it in. So that could be a factor. And then you think like the, the strike and a Pettis would be enough to just pick him off then for the other two rounds. Mm. But it shows how quickly things can change because, I mean, Pettis lost to Henry Cejudo and they said, all right, this is going to be it now. So he's going to have to go back to drawing board. I know he's young, but he's going to have to sort his wrestling out. Mm. Next thing he goes in with Joseph Benavidez, who he beats. And when that happens... Changes so, the picture for him. Yeah, yeah, big time. And I do love that of MMA that a loss isn't what defines you. Well, yeah. fact, it's a big thing that Sergio... Uh, so- Okay, it's a big thing that Anthony Pettis has been saying this week. If he beats Ferguson, he's all of a sudden back in the yeah. title picture. I know. And we're going to yeah. get on to him. Um, just to kind of run through a bit more then. So you've got uh, Michelle Waterson against Felice Herrig. And I think it's quite clear the direction the UFC is going in by the fact yeah. that they're trying to make Paige Van Zandt against Rachel Ostovich. That, that um, fight's on the main card as well, isn't it? Uh, yes, it, it is. It could be, arguably be swapped with Sergio Pettis' fight. A genuine stat here... Um, the two of them have tweeted out more underwear shoots than tweets promoting this fight. So that might tell you the direction uh, it's I going I hate in. that. I, agree. I really just do. Like, Michael Bispin made I a big point about it. Like, MMA, women's MMA back. The, the UFC is still going down that route of like it's the late 90s and we're, we're watching WWF. Like, it's, 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 yeah. it's Michelle bizarre. Waterson literally brought in a photographer and her photos from the last week have essentially been her around a swimming pool putting her ass out. But do you know what, do yeah. do you know what I even well. think? Like, she doesn't help herself with her nickname. The no, Karate yeah. Hot. Karate yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just... Well, but <laughs> you, know what I mean? you could argue is if you have the selling point and maybe your skills aren't up to that, then you've got to think the first... Um, They're all supremely talented fighters though. The like first, that. Yeah, but the first time uh, the UFC had their new deal on Fox... Their first headliner was Paige Van Zandt against Michelle Waterson. Yeah. She Good clearly sells. Was, it Good was. Good she fight. got. I think she got choked out in a minute. Paige Van Zandt. 
Um, in terms of like, yeah, it was actually, well built and it was cause I, yeah, two I, rising contenders. I wrote an article for Front of the Times saying how this is more than meets the eye, essentially. It's a really good fight. And then the two of them pushed their chest out and pouted at the face-off, <laughs> which did me no favours. <laughs> okay, um, forwarding on then. So you've got Derek Lewis against Alexander Volkov. So Derek Lewis... I'm actually very excited for this fight. Well, this is the thing. He's come off maybe the most boring fight in UFC history to a main card slot on the biggest card of the year. But, Don't write off Derek Lewis. Jesus. But do you think... I mean, personally, I thought part of the problem, or the main part of the problem, was that Derek Lewis was slightly worried about Ngannou's power, and Ngannou just seemed like he was wearing a straight jacket. Well, he said that he was worried about his back, which he has every single fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He fought the one against uh, Travis Brown, Mark, against Mark Hunt as well, so he beat Travis Brown. Yeah. And then he fought the one Mark Hunt, where he literally just was holding his back the whole time, and he was, oh, it wasn't hurting, I was trying to stop my shelf shitting. I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- okay. I just think this is going to be a bit like a, you know, Volkov, is, his one-two, his jab is very, very good for a, for a heavyweight. I think this is um, a fight where the winner needs to look impressive because I think whoever looks most impressive out of the winner of this fight and the winner of um, Nganu against um, Curtis Blades is going to face Stipe next. Mm. And so I think that's what you're fighting for there. Yeah, I don't necessarily think this is the number one contender fight, well, although no, Volkov we'll, probably deserves we'll get it. To, we'll get to that, definitely. I mean, yeah. I think if Blades wins, then he probably deserves think, yeah, it. Yeah, if Blades wins, then he does deserve but it. he's not going to get it. I mean, Dana White's already said that, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. What friend of the pod, says. friend of the pod, Curtis Blades, yep. if you're listening. Um, maybe the fight I'm most looking forward to outside of the main event, so you've got um, OSP against um, Dominic Reyes. I like heavyweight, and OSP is always in a fun fight, whether he gets knocked out, whether he pulls his uh, Von Flew choke, which they now call the OSP choke. Yeah, it's such a good choke. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just nuts every time. He's one of those who can get hurt, and then you don't still don't write him off. I picked um, Anderson to beat him when they fought, and he then went from being on roller skates to head kicking him with a knockout. So you literally yeah. they can't, can't write him off at all. When I had OSP on my bet. I was messaging Luke saying this is a bag of shit. He's, <laughs> he's killing a bet, and then he pulls up the left eye kick and absolutely splatters Corey Anderson. I was like, but we were. Saying, he does look for that quite a lot because he, his, you know, his range. He doesn't even is hide it ridiculous. either. He does that little thing almost like um, if you're playing the UFC game, he you don't press the button hard up enough because he like twitches like that, yeah. and he's just waiting for it to happen. He continually sort of opens up his his hip to try and get the angle for it, and. Okay, then on to the co-main. So we have um, Tony Ferguson against Anthony Pettis. Tony Ferguson should have been out for a, for over a year and has come back within four months, but we won't ask any questions on that. Um, uh, from a torn LCL, I think it was. And so we got the real lightweight champ returning here. Pettis. Tony Ferguson. <laughs> it should have been Ferguson's fight. Yeah. Argument for He's that. He's having to yeah. try and get it on. His first, do you see his first training session back and he was just booting a chair? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> he, he's a weird guy and he? he is a yeah. so weird. very strange guy. So if you look at forums and you look at polls and betting odds, then this is being perceived as a walkover job yeah. for Tony Ferguson. But I don't know if, I, if I'm the only one. I don't see it that way at all. I think it's a very interesting fight, particularly because of coming off the injury. But, I mean, realistically, as much as we did just say that Anthony Pettis' ground game is sharp. 
do we see him winning any other way other than a KO? We can't see well, him beating th- him over three I th- rounds. I think what's interesting is usually the guys that beat Anthony Pettis are those kind of industrial fighters like um, RDA, Eddie Alvarez, the guys who do everything well and they're not flashy, they just get straight down to business. But I think Ferguson is a slightly flashier industrial fighter. He does do everything pretty well. Yeah, but you also leave openings when you do that. You forget Kevin Lee took him down with no trouble at all. I'm not saying Pettis is going to shoot for a takedown, but I'm just saying there there are holes there when you have this style. It's going to look like just button-bashing street fighter, these two, if they fight (laughs) how we want them to. But Ferguson's a hard. You can imagine him being a very hard guy to hurt as well. He's just but continuing think about this. So you've, you've just come off that surgery to just under your knee, and you've got Anthony Pettis's kicks. Yeah, could be worse. Could be Barbosa. So surely he'd be firing them kicks straight yeah. away. I'm gonna. I'm actually picking Anthony Pettis to win this fight. That's that's a big gold that shape. A big shells by I, knock by knockout. I oof. think I think he's he's gonna go straight for the knee, and I think he's gonna open it up, and either he's gonna stop him with leg kicks, or He's going to hurt his knee and uh, take his back, which he, he is one of the best guys at. He, I'm not saying he's the best at setting it up or anything like that, but when he has your back, if you look at some of the guys he's taken out, then he is very strong at that. His last performance against Michael Chiesa, yes, it's Michael Chiesa, but it's one of his best performances in a long time. Yeah. And he is always that guy who can just turn it on. I think it'll be interesting to see how uh, Ferguson approaches the fight knowing that it's probably, even though it's not a main event, it's probably the biggest fight he's going to have fought, even though the last one was for about. But because the world's watching, yeah. uh, they both know that they need to put on a show-stopping performance, don't they? And because if Connor's going to fight again, because that's not given, Connor might not fight again. He doesn't. We've already heard a million times he doesn't need to fight again. But if he does, then it's going to come because one of these two puts on an absolute barnstormer and, and makes Connor think, I should fight him, or makes makes it even seem like, well, that guy could beat Connor, you if, know, in them sort of way. If I'm Ferguson, I'm looking at Khabib and thinking, I'm not convinced you're making weight. Yeah, well, Connor's already come out and said he's willing to fight either Pettis or Ferguson if Khabib they, pulls out, which is music also, to my ears. They've also scheduled a press conference for Thursday, which is weight-cutting day. Yeah. So they're both going to be at their most irritable. <laughs> and yeah, Khabib apparently thinks he's in pretty good shape but we've heard that a million oh, one times before haven't we yeah. team tiramisu well, I was just saying I, was, I messaged Luke earlier I said he had an interview with ESPN I think sort of last Friday maybe he looks like he's been five rounds already he's got a black eye he's got a massive bruise on his forehead he looks like he's been having elbows bounced off his head that's what happens when you send the location but it is, I mean, it's just—it's ridiculous. Like, how are you still doing half bar in eight, hey, eight, nine days before? We're going to get on to Khabib. First of all, we need predictions for the co-main. Ferguson by Das in the third round Ooh. after he's just broken Pettis. Anthony down. Pettis is a hard man to stop. I think he'll break him down and he will stop him late in the third. I think he'll submit him too. To be honest, um, I'm not sure when, but I can't see it being the first round. I can see it being a bit more drawn out, maybe late second or third. But I think that Ferguson um, has the slight advantage on the ground over Pettis. Slight. They're both very good. But I just think Ferguson has that more um, tenth planet style, which is a little bit more unorthodox than your your regular sort of jiu-jitsu practitioners. 
I didn't know how much I wanted to see Tony Ferguson against Justin Gaethje until I thought about it earlier. Oh wow! <laughs> I just want to see Tony Ferguson bang with people because he's yeah, and he I want to see Gaethje. I want to see his elbows anyone. swinging in. He would do some elbows. It'd be a good fight, definitely. Gaethje actually called out Kevin Lee earlier this week. I so. think Kevin Lee would absolutely spice him up, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he is my boy, Kevin Lee, but that's a very fun fight. Yeah, a it's very fun fight. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, I think Kevin Lee needs a fight as well because he's a. God, I'm um, looking forward to seeing him come back. And we need um, more of those fights like last time from Gaethje where he doesn't take any damage and we can just stretch him out a bit more. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that doesn't count as one of his three fights he said he was going to have left for his career. We're uh, not counting that one. No. <laughs> um, TK, over to you then for our final prediction. Um, I feel kind of bad whenever I go against Pettis because it's sort of like a curse where if I bet against him, <laughs> it seems to come in. With both the brothers, they seem to come in and whenever you heavily back them, they kind of let you down. But... You never really know what you're going to get with him at times, but I will go for Ferguson. Like Troy said, I think if he is ever going to get the Connor fight, then he's going to have to put on a show as well. I don't think just a win is really enough to sort of entice him. If The Khabib fight has obviously sold itself, but is a Ferguson fight really going to? Anything with McGregor's involved is going to to an extent, but he needs he's only going to be it for major events now, isn't he? I can see Ferguson trying to do something ridiculous like spin for a... You know, go for a rolling yeah. knee bar or something yeah, he's, just, I, he's I that just, kind of bloke that's going to try and do something ridiculous to, to snap the headlines yeah. away from the main event yeah I think he'll, he'll do something like that it's only a free rounder isn't it? Yeah. yeah. so I think he'll, I think he'll win by decision I think Pettis is good enough that he's not going to do him but I think he'll get a decision which doesn't really kind of benefit anyone I guess because he isn't really he'll come out with some awful trash talk for Connor after no doubt of course. he'll be making you cringe off your sofa and then then you'll get onto the actual main event. And you'll probably forget that yeah. he's ever like a yeah. contender. Which I mean, should we just do is our, a shame? But should we do our Conor v Ferguson prediction just for the inevitable <laughs> that's going to happen on Friday? <laughs> we don't want to jinx it, but I will say Ferguson. If you look at his kind of circle of, I'm not sure if he, if he has friends as such, but he's got Eddie Bravo, who's good enough mates with a lot of comedians. <laughs> he should be asking them to write him a speech for after the fight yeah. because if he gets on that mic and says my nuggets again, yeah. <laughs> I mean, After all that weight as well. Yeah. Eddie Bravo's been, you know, been saying uh, a couple of months ago how if somebody does get pulled, he's he's hoping that somebody gets pulled from the main event just so Ferguson fights yeah, for the yeah, title. <laughs> He'll somehow like like he's like well, for the last Khabib fight, wear sunglasses indoors and trip over a cable. Yeah. All right then. Okay, on to the main event, the biggest fight in UFC history, as we've been told. The most 50-50 fight that can be made within despite, the UFC. Despite Habib being an 8-13 favourite. Yeah, I'm all I'm all over McGregor. Not to ruin my prediction. I don't know what that would be in a Vegas. So it's probably like minus 145, isn't it? My, my first thing to say, if Connor, since his last fight, hasn't been road running every single day, <laughs> then he's made a big mistake. <laughs> um, I don't want to jump like straight in, but I watched Tough um, right before I came down here. Um, and they had a guy on there who is was saying how good his cardio is and all this, and he was against a wrestler. Yep. And he was taken down twice, and he got up both times, and you saw he'd absolutely knackered. And I think a common misconception is that perhaps if you get up quickly, then that kind of just means you're not knackered. Because but it's that explosion you got... to get up quickly. Well, this is what I was going to say. I mean, from those dark days of uh, doing jiu-jitsu on a Tuesday night. Well, I was icing him, he means. <laughs> Fall no, you actually stopped, stopped pairing up with me, which I'll leave people to work out why. Levels. Um, There's levels. <laughs> and I know, I know Troy did it for a bit as well, but you know that you've kind of got 
that one explosion in you and after that it's like oh boy I'm in trouble now <laughs> and so just getting to your feet doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't knackered and for someone like McGregor who has well publicised cardio issues just without getting punched in the face as well that could be the issue I've got no real worries about the ground and pound from Khabib no, but I mean in terms of we're saying about how we struggle to get up that's oh, yeah. without somebody levering us in the jaw yeah he also does train though and Hopefully, it's, uh, <laughs> even with his cardio, hopefully it's marginally better than yours. How much do you reckon you'd have to cut to get down to one fifty-five? <laughs> well, I mean, the fifty-eight-year-old bloke at work challenged me to a race last week, <laughs> and there was genuine debate. <laughs> I said I'd smoke him. The fifty-eight-year-old offered to have his shoelaces tied together as well. I said, Don't be so disrespectful. The fifty-eight-year-old is tall and wiry. He's going to have stride. Is He's a problem for you. He said he'd wear flip-flops to make it even. <laughs> he's athletic, but he's had to retire from his uh, badminton on a Tuesday because he's got a dodgy knee. So whack, I told him I'll whack that on the way past if I need to. <laughs> Racing around the bend. Yeah, but Connor is going to smoke Khabib. I'll put, it out, I'll put it out there now. First round, I'll be surprised if it gets past the second. Just looking at Khabib more and more, no doubt he's good at what he does, and he probably is better than anyone else that he's going to be able to face. But the movement that McGregor has, it's easy to forget how good he is because he is a helmet. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to be daft enough to stand with his back to the cage and get pressed up against there. He's going to make Khabib reach for him, and when you reach for him, you come in with your chin wide open like that because you can't jump in for a takedown while protecting your chin. It just doesn't work. Well, one of my one of my key points actually that I've that I'd looked at was um, that the majority of Khabib's takedowns come up against the cage. That's how he works for his takedowns. He grinds you against the cage. Connor's very good against the cage. He showed that. I know Diaz is a different, completely different prospect. Diaz. Uh, wears you down so that you shoot for a takedown, whereas obviously Khabib's looking for his own takedown the whole fight. But so they both try to pressure Connor in the same sort of way. I just feel that when he's doing that up against the cage and and always level changing, he's going to leave himself massively open, and that's when I think Connor will get him when he when he keeps on switching and changing and trying because Connor, like you said, Connor's movement is something that we haven't seen from other fighters really from playing touch butt in the park. Yeah. Said. I'll tell you one thing I'm not going to... Whatever happened to Idol Portal, get him back. One thing I'm not looking forward to is, either way, people that don't watch UFC putting on Sunday morning. I, yeah. I called that. I knew he'd I mean, knock him out. In fairness, I've been saying about Habib for about two years. So Yeah, I mean, you... you I just can't jump ship, can I? You did also say that I'll it was a gimme for back. the US to win the Ryder Cup. I knew you'd bring that up. <laughs> Wasn't quite, that bad. Under the boat. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite that bad, but it it was a dark weekend at times, I've got to be honest. <laughs> the only one in Europe who's fuming. Yeah. Well, in fact, I asked him to come on the podcast on Friday and he said he couldn't because he didn't want to talk about the golf. <laughs> he didn't want to talk about sport as a whole, he said. I had to subject my girlfriend <laughs> to watching sport. the golf with me as well. And that was an experience. He said the G word. Deep. <laughs> All right, so keep going back to uh, McGregor. I, I actually don't. I don't think he's going to get taken down. That is the large base point of my prediction: is he's not going to get taken down. I mean, Gleason Tebow stopped Khabib's takedowns. Well, also, and uh, uh, Troy uh, said this to me yesterday: how he he doesn't keep people down, Khabib. They do get back up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also 
I mean, there is this thing that uh, I mean, it's it's nice to be able to squash a few myths as well with the, with this fight. The first one is obviously that Connor has no grind game. That's a myth. Um, watching the breakdown a couple of nights ago, you, you they you know they really slowed things down on how uh, sort of you know with the jiu-jitsu moves that he does, the sweeping that he can that he's that he's able to do against the likes of Diaz. Um, I think another one, which is a situation, is that Khabib has got a glass jaw. We've seen him rocked a few times, but we've never seen him dropped. McGregor said, I know a glass jaw when I see one. <laughs> but we've <laughs> never seen yeah, him dropped. We've seen him rock back on his yeah. feet a bit, but never seen him actually dropped. So. Have you not seen Rocky? They do not like it when it gets up them. <laughs> I, com- I completely disagree that Khabib's got this glass jaw. You say he's been hurt. Michael Johnson clips him, but yeah, two true. seconds later he's on his ass. Yeah, he's, he's it's, never it's, actually been Michael Johnson. Yeah, he's, he's never he's never looked in trouble. No, Michael Johnson TV. It's arguable if he's ever lost a round. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a, this is this is a huge fight, isn't it? Really massive. Yeah, <laughs> I think the the, the thing that worries me slightly from a Khabib standpoint, I will be backing Khabib in my accumulator. That's <laughs> fact. Not yeah. back. Back. Um, that was what I was hoping. USA would do for me when I lumped on a double USA and could be <laughs> McGregor Pettis double. My my major worry is I'm in Paris this weekend to watch uh, the Art de Triomphe horse racing, so <laughs> I just I've just got to be open that BT on my phone's working. Oh, what? BT, the clues in the name, mate. You ain't getting that in fucking France. On your phone. <laughs> yeah. So. No, no. If not, I'm, I'm going to have to. Yeah. Yeah. If oh, not, there's no. going to be all sorts of websites being tried. The most, <laughs> the most crooked sport there is as well. I'm going to take you down in the field around there. You can see a little horse. Anyway. Travel to France to see horses. <laughs> Your face, honestly. Well, the thing with that is, I can teach you tips of horse racing for a start. When one horse is a heavy favourite, it's not going to win. I know from experience. <laughs> We, we we get back to we get back we get back to business. Yeah, and you don't back white horses either. Start. <laughs> and if you see it shit just before, then you back it. Yeah, yeah. we get we get back to business. My my worry with Khabib is watching fights like the the Barboza fight and the Iaquinta fight is how far he tries to shoot him from to the point that he just grabs the ankle and then just tries to rip you down from there. If he's got both hands on his ankle. Oh, McGregor's balance is good enough that he could just clip him with that left hand. And he didn't finish either of them. Despite no. pummeling them for five rounds. I think they could have stopped the Barboza fight. My man Barboza was moving and that's all you need in MMA. I thought it was... Also, if it, unless you're Herb Dean, you don't even need to be moving. Herb Dean, <laughs> Herb Dean is actually the referee um, for, oh my for, God. for Saturday night. <laughs> there might be a fatality. Jesus. We should have got... We should have got Either my, way, we, there's going to be heads... <laughs> Cannoning off the canvas. Yeah, he's unconscious. I think he can go on. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bet on fourth round. We should have got back Yamasaki. Should've After got, that Shevchenko fight. Should have got Mazagai in there. The Shevchenko fight where she landed like 200 head strikes in a minute. I was giving her a chance to be a warrior. <laughs> but that, that would be my major worry is that he shoots from 15 feet away. He... He does wrestle. He does out wrestle some good wrestlers. Like our our Quinter is a good national wrestler. Connor's not, but I would worry slightly that uh, 
that he's going to try and shoot in from 20 feet away, pick up the ankle and then just get so, with the left hand. Give us your final prediction. Fourth round, Khabib. Ground and pound or does he sleep him? I don't think he sleeps him. I or mean, a he'll, choke. He'll be a Kimura or ground and pound. You know he'll tap. You know he'll tap against <laughs> a chance. Obviously we've got... Connor's lost three fights. All have been by submission. Khabib's got eight wins by submission. So he isn't, you know, afraid of it. Just doesn't really... We haven't really seen much of it I'm in not, the UFC. From I'm not him. sure. do a lot back in the day. You yeah. I'm not sure you saw a BT Sports post earlier. They actually said Diaz was McGregor's first loss. Yeah, they're idiots. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Poor asterisk next to it in the UFC. Poor Duffy. That was, was Duffy, wasn't Joe it? Duffy, Joe yeah. Duffy, yeah. They didn't knee bar McGregor, didn't they, Joe Duffy? I think he did, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a, I think there's a uh, the Russian that was his other loss as well. So. Yeah. You know, knee bars and Sambo. Are we going to have Artem in the corner? <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with a metal metal trolley ready to launch into <laughs> with, the... With a hammer and sickle, just there in the corner, ready to go. <laughs> All right, um, just get TK's predict. Actually, I haven't got Troy's either, so oh, no. I'm, I'm saying round one knockout. Wow. Um, I, I am, I am. It's, it's, I've been back and forth all week, all year, ever since the, <laughs> I, ever since the first idea yeah. these two could fight. Yeah. I was always all up for Khabib, just because, mostly because, probably because I wanted to go for the, you know, the outsider or whatever. That's mainly what it comes down to. But when you look down at the fight as it is, it's so hard to call. It's a flip of a coin, really. But I think the first round decides it all. If Connor starts, squashes a few takedowns in the first, then that there puts the fucking shitness on uh, on Khabib. And I think he, he decks him in the second then. But And I think he could drop him in the first as well. Uh, but if Khabib manages to take him down and, ma- and maintain on top of him for most of the first round, then I'll switch and say Khabib winning this fight. So, But as I stand, I'm going with Connor. But yeah, I may switch half of the, the fight. Get off the fence. <laughs> no, I'm staying on there, and that's not that's why I'm not a betting man, Luke. <laughs> All right. See, one, one thing I would say, it did take you know, it took rounds to stop Alvarez, it took rounds to stop yeah. Mendes. I can see him. He, that Alvarez one could have been stopped in the first quite yeah. comfortably. But but my point being, other than Jose Aldo, which was just a freak. That was that was right yeah. Aldo's head. Yeah. He Whereas Khabib keeps saying, "Look, Is he in I am head? I am annoyed." So. He says, "I'm annoyed, but I'm going to be relaxed. I know I can't do what Aldo did. I know I've got to come in hand high and get him tired." Is what he keeps saying. I think even just looking at them between the face off last week, I could tell that that's not Jose Aldo. Yeah. That's yeah. this man is a little bit more mesh. Even though he did keep on trying to justify himself by answering questions, that he probably could have just kept his mouth shut on. Such as why didn't you get off the coach? Yeah. Uh, he did. Bit, he riled him there. Yeah, I think that is but I think he was just getting under his skin, as opposed to what he did to Jose Aldo, which was make Jose shake with fucking he anger. See it, yeah, he, yeah. Needs, he needs to watch his managers and gas him up too much. I, I Looking just... at the footage, he's literally tweeting every day, saying to him every single day. Also, um, something which you may see as a bigger story this week: um, Khabib on his own YouTube channel put footage out of him calling his manager. Uh, the N word earlier, uh, earlier today. Wow! Jesus so Christ. he did. He put the footage out. He put the footage out on is his like that channel that he um, that he uses for that anatomy of a fighter, which is like what he kind of sponsors to use. And yeah, he said it in, a, in an affectionate way. I don't think you can say that. Aaron, well, he said it in like a. My, Americans claim they can, though. It really baffles me. It's like that high school generation and yeah, all. I'm not they, sure. Yeah, it just. 
Yeah, it don't fit well with me. Let's put it that way. No, I don't think any of us were on the table. No, we were just going out to clarify that. (laughs) We we were talking on the coach on Saturday, Troy, and we were saying that it's not, even if you hate McGregor, Khabib isn't an easy guy to root for the more you actually look at him. It's not, not, no. He's a guy who was sponsored by a uh, political terrorist. As I tried to say to you, Luke, how many good Russians do you know? He's sponsored. He's sponsored. He's sponsored by a political terrorist. He uh, wants to purge your gay people. You know how, how many Russian athletes can you really get behind? Yeah. You know, they, a lot of them have been sort of done for cheating, or they're just generally not the best of people. As much as you think, <laughs> as much as you think. <laughs> no, I'm sure there is plenty of nice. I'm sure there's plenty of nice Russian people, but Russian athletes. Good is, clarification. Russian athletes. I mean, in, in terms of. I can't ever remember a really good Russian athlete that Andre Arshavin. I didn't get behind him. I'm a Liverpool fan. He was too nice. Do you know what I mean? Arshavin was an asshole. He he got a forty grand contract when he first signed, and then was fuming because he realised he was getting taxed on it fifty (laughs) percent. Oh, I'm only getting only twenty grand a week now. Piss off, Andre. But but, you know, like Maria Sharapova, for example. Everybody thought she was the darling of tennis, and then you know, look what's. Look what's happened recently there. Do you know, do you know what I mean? It, in terms of Roman Abramovich, perhaps it's yeah. perhaps it's just us in Stalin. in England. That, you, know, <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, Khabib saying he, he's universally liked in Russia. I'm sure he is, but in terms of over here in America, I, we don't get behind. Russian I'm not athletes. sure he is eternally liked in Russia no, no, either. He's part of a minority in yeah. Russia, and they don't treat their minorities that great. And okay. <laughs> apparently not apparently not I'm just going off a of hearsay could be yeah. fake news we don't know yeah <laughs> fake news yeah seems pretty reliable but you don't know uh, I'm, I've got similar concerns to what Rory said about um, the distance Khabib's got to make up when he's coming in also he does kind of leave his chin out going forward and backwards The, I'll be honest with you I've done the thing you should never do I kind of turned on one fight and being the Aya Quinta fight where I just kind of I saw things in Khabib that I thought before then, I was thinking that's a horrible man. And Connor doesn't really want any part of that. And then, as you were seeing it, I just thought he can be clipped. We know he can be hurt. Not like you said. He's. He, I don't think he's got. He's a not going to have been on the footage for. He's not going to be on the footage for Ira Quinter, though, is he? No, he knew he was fighting him twenty-eight hours before the fight. Yeah, and it's obviously, he's obviously a different style of fight to McGregor yeah. as well. But I, I did also think with that is telling that as much as Khabib did have him on the floor, and I kind of had his had his way with him didn't he he didn't he didn't finish him off and he kind of almost played with his food if you like yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if bearing in mind the build up to this if he does have McGregor on the deck and kind of does that thing where he starts talking to him and stuff well, the, and, the, but if he does get, get up and sleep in, one of the worst things I've heard very very stupid one of the worst things I've heard Khabib say this in this interview with ESPN was they said if you had the chance to finish him in the first minute would you and he had to hesitate before he yeah, answered. Yeah, Why would you don't, not? You don't just, fuck about. You fin- I, I can see that being the. Yeah, but but you finish him in a minute and you just say, "I've laughed he's, at he's you not there." A guy yeah. you, I don't think he's a guy you'd let linger because no, all that, he has to do is catch I mean. him for sure. Exactly. He, he said he wants to leave. change his face. He doesn't want to leave any questions unanswered, though, does he? he That's the problem. Him. Yeah, if he beats him in thirty seconds or in a minute. Then there'll be, those, Aldo. <laughs> there'll be those questions, won't there? Like, oh, well, he, we didn't see the real thing, you know, this, that, and the other. He rips but... him to the ground, yeah. he, he dominates him for 45 seconds and then breaks his arm with a Kimura. There's yeah. no question. That's it. The True. fight is he, yeah. over, he's yeah. battered him. And he, people will just say, oh, McGregor never could have handled him because no. of his wrestling. Yeah. When in truth, this is a, the classic case of they could fight 10 times, it could be 5 all. Yeah. In terms of, and 
the sort of star matchup is you couldn't even there's no real sort of argument to be made either as to how they're both going to win is it it's if I go the for most a, classic like striker versus wrestler you're going to find if I'm looking for a, an angle and I see a striker via grappler I always go for the grappler we go UFC one star we go for the grappler <laughs> yeah that, I'm, I'm normally inclined to think the same but it's it kind of falls it's a different the, kind of striker it's just yeah if do you think he can get him down first do you think he can catch him first it's kind of in the most simplistic terms and I'm, I'll go with McGregor catch him first uh, just to say, Rory, if you, you do need to, uh, if you if you do need to shoot off, just you can run, but don't let my drink over on the way out. Um, if we have you got anything more to say on McGregor before we move on? Because I'm sure we're going to get back into it next week. Tom Brown has what's happened. Not really, no. All right, so <laughs> even if Khabib wins, I'm not going to be on next week. <laughs> He's let us <laughs> <laughs> If All he right. loses, I definitely can't be on. You won't see him for dust. All right, um, then if we move on to uh, John Jones, who was um, freed, we'll say, by USADA last week. <laughs> um, disgraceful, really. He's been let off again. You look at uh, the Doom, who's just been banned for two years, and I'm not They've saying... They've ended the Doom's career, haven't they? Well, I'm not saying the Doom's punishment should be any less. I'm saying that Jones... No, yeah. He's he's now been failed three times, and each time they said it was an accident, and there was no wrongdoing on his part. Doesn't doesn't say much for the UFC when, I mean, they were able to hide Brock Lesnar being in the testing pool. There shouldn't be any crossover there with their stars, and it does also doesn't look like that. Then when Jones gets such a feeble punishment, particularly when it makes a lot of sense when you add up kind of what the drug was for. Just seems one rule for one and, and, and one for another, doesn't it, really? The I, I stars like, of the game get to this special treatment. Well, that's the thing. Shit, I, really. I mentioned it earlier. I think that's what kind of annoys people like Jesse Taylor in that they f- have such kind of a minuscule amount that could feasibly be through no wrongdoing of their own. And then you see someone who looks to have intentionally cheated and they're let off, which I, I guess what he was getting. I was just joking earlier, if he's listening. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he might already be in the car now on his way. <laughs> yeah. Let him know. Is there any light in What's your that, phone? Yeah, that's, that look at the door. <laughs> He's got my number. He can get in touch. Send me location. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, Dana has now uh, come out yesterday, I think it was, said he's no longer interested in making DC against Lesnar and he wants to make DC against Jones. First a light heavyweight and then a heavyweight. DC must be fuming. Well, DC heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. only put it at heavyweight. Yeah. I've got no interest in seeing a light heavyweight. Oh, well, yet. actually, DC is supposedly the one. Cut. He's supposedly the one that's pushing for it to be a light heavyweight because what? I think because he said he wants he said he wants to get it back in yeah. the same circumstances oh, so there's no excuses. I mean, kind of to go on what TK just said. I think it's a case of if they fight ten times, then yeah. it's going to be like ten on nine one even. Yeah. Um, I really wanted DC to beat him. The thing is, you, at least heavy has yeah. got a different element because the, DC hasn't yeah, and, he's got, weight and he's got hands as well at heavyweight. Yeah. Well, the, the he thing has, yeah. he's got it's serious hands serious. at hand. The thing with DC is he'll look at the last fight and say it's the best he did against Jones, and so in his head, Jones has he's cheated, and so he's saying if he's clean this time, although I'm sure he won't believe he is, then the outcome can be different. But the weirdest point there, we say it's the best he's looked against Jones. He was asleep with inside two and a half rounds. He At least did, he, he went five last time. He did look very good in yeah, that Yeah, but, but do you know what I mean? Like On paper, he didn't look better. On paper, he's, it's a worse result. And a, a quite, yeah. Saying 
you were winning rounds or whatever, there's quite a big asterisk next to it when you do end up getting selected. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. means nothing, doesn't it? No. Especially not like early on. If he had won four rounds and it was a Chael Son and Anderson Silver type, yeah. you'd yeah, go you'd go, Oh my god, yeah, he was doing so well. Yeah. Got yeah. slept with like ten seconds to go or something, you'd yeah. think, okay, maybe have another yeah, exactly, dice, but yeah. like, <laughs> The worst thing was there was that clip beforehand where he was like, I know you think I'm going to yeah. dump my head oh, into the no. head. He said that like two years before yeah. the fight. <laughs> it's like DC just forgot. <laughs> he just, yeah, well, that's instinct. Kicking well, it's in, true. It? You, like, uh, you just can't. reverting back to what he yeah. knows. Yeah. That's why um, I know I'm the ultimate fighter this time. and this I'm better a bit sick of it now, so I do basically just skip two of the fights. But... There was a bit of a backlash from Robert Whittaker's one of the coaches, and on their first training session, he said, "Look, I'm not going to teach you anything new here." He's like, "You all basically at this stage of your career know as much as you're gonna know for the most part." He's like, "So in this short space of time, it's about me getting the best out of what you've got now, because you're not going to change anything instinctively." But that's what I hate about the Ultimate Fighter when the coaches come in, they go, oh, "I'm going to teach you all this stuff." They could be fighting ten days later. They don't want time well, to be teaching although, you stuff. Yeah. The season, before, game plan. the season before, DC was one of the coaches and he looked brilliant on there. And um, I interviewed Tyler Diamond, who was his first pick on the show, and he couldn't speak highly enough of DC. And that's the thing. I've not seen a change in the public perception of someone as much as DC in the UFC because the first two, I was, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Mate. And I think you just see more of him now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the last time we did a Jones... Uh, DC preview Rory was the only one picking DC and I'm pretty sure I laughed at the fact that he was picking DC and that he got slept until he started crying until he started crying and I thought oh it's a bit far should we give him the mic well that's the thing like the first couple or what I said first couple which sounds bad up until this test I was there was a bit in my head like I don't actually believe he cheated Jones and I don't know why it's taken to the third time for my head to kick in. And but go, you want to believe no. that he's he is the best fighter. We've never seen another guy like him. He is ridiculously talented. You want to believe that he is the best because he's the best. I think McGregor makes a case if he beats Khabib, by the way, which isn't a popular thing to say. Uh, yeah, two-weight world champion, all that sort of stuff. But Well, you look at his wins as well, and yeah. people like the winning against Poirier is only looking better. The winning against Holloway is only looking better. I think, better. yeah, we do need to, as much as we say, oh, he's got all these fanboys and stuff, as actual professional opinions, I, I use that term loosely because no, we're professionals. Compared <laughs> compared to people that tweet twice a year because McGregor's fought twice, yeah, exactly. we are professionals. I mean, you don't tweet much. I did have a little look, and one of the last ones was Khabib time. Yeah, as soon as the fight was announced. <laughs> but but you, you you know you get my point in terms of it's yeah yeah. A lot of those people will say, "Oh, he's the best ever," whatever. Perhaps it is time that we did start saying if he does win today, uh, sorry, if he does win Saturday. It's only stuff like that's kind of obscure and you're from thinking anyway, But he's it? never it's... ever been pound for pound number one, has he? I don't think he's ever been pound for pound number one, has he? Yeah, he has been. After he beat uh, Alvarez, he moved up to number one. Oh, okay. I thought they said had Jones at one at that point, but clearly he was wide well, from yeah, all You records. can't take much of it because they've actually no, got can't. they've got Demetrius Johnson at seven at the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but more my point was that if he's not being considered the best in that catchment, how can we say he's yeah. the best yeah, yeah, of all yeah, time was, was my argument no, no, I, I was going for. Um, going back to Jones then, so I mean, Dana is said he wants to make that fight. If you were Dana White, if you were the matchmakers, who would you match Jones with on his return? If I'm Dana White, I match him with 
with Cormier at, at heavyweight or I'm matching with Lesnar at heavyweight. It's not a fight I want to see. Neither are fights I want to see. It's a money maker. But yeah, but yeah. from a, you asked if I'm the promoter, that's who I make. Okay, yeah. 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 I could have worded that nicer. But <laughs> if, if you're asking me who I want to see, Gus I'd love to him. see him fight Gus or I'd love to see him fight Kane, but Kane ain't coming back anytime it's, soon. It was rumoured... It was rumoured just before. You know what I mean? It would be an unreal fight. I don't think he's ever coming back. No, no. but it was rumoured just before we came on here actually that the the talks are ongoing because Cormier isn't going to be ready before Christmas yeah. for the Christmas headline of the New Year's one to be um, Jones Gustafsson and a light heavy. Yes, yeah, so I think that would be a really good fight. They're going to strip Cormier oh to God, make the heavy. fight for a belt. <laughs> oh my God! They're basically saying to Cormier, "You defend it, or we're going to strip you of it." Despite the fact though. he defended it. Six months ago, and he's the biggest company man going. And what well, did, did you see the clip of UFC tonight when um, they announced that Jones was back? Yeah, and he was like, "I'm only here because I've got bosses at the back." He was like, "This is ridiculous. Just you, Sada, need to know they can't call me anymore. They can't call me yeah. at six o'clock in the morning because." As Stipe tweeted earlier, he's like filling out my my whereabouts for Usada. Don't know what the point is, but I'm filling it out regardless. So. It's getting stupid because. When they originally brought Usada in, they were like, "This is." Everyone, in fact, was quite happy with it. They were quite like, "I was all this for is it. a strict body, like governing body to deal with drug cheats." Well, I even thought to myself, "They need this. They need Usada in the fucking Olympics and that sort of like malarkey." But over the last couple of years or so, clearly backhands are going on. They must be because when you have got fighters like John Jones or whatever getting popped with the exact same drugs or maybe even perhaps worse than other fighters and other fighters yeah. that perhaps aren't earning as big much money well, the last one he got popped that's what for it, even you can get on the shelf that it, was the- <laughs> is it possible that, you know just a complete random one here is it possible that people working for USADA are fans and they go oh who do I want to see come back well, I'd love to see, see John Jones do you know yeah. what I mean you, you see go into Jeff Nowitzki is friends with several fighters where they like chat to him and they sit ringside together yeah, yeah of course it's just to go back, kind of to take on in them circles, aren't you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Kind of to take on what Rory said. So if I could choose who Jones was to fight, for me it would be Stipe at heavyweight. Yeah, that was another one I was just about to mention. Perhaps for an interim bout, or we get a rumble at a retirement oh, at heavyweight. That would be fun. And that the two of them fun. face off because I've never seen a round ahead since he is now. Get Ngano back on them pads. Start hyping him back up and get him in there with Jones. I did say to Troy on Saturday, it is quite nice to actually see a fighter retire and seemingly not have any thoughts about going back and just be enjoying their life. (laughs) Yeah, he posted a photo of just a massive like weed plant and just a big old smile on his face. When you see Maidana now in his dressing gown. I think if he came back to fight at heavyweight, he'd have to cut some weight. The guy is a fucking <laughs> unit. Like it's mad to think he used to fight. A, he fought a lightweight. Yeah, because he unreal. he could kill it. Because yeah. some of these people who fight a heavyweight, I mean, Chase Sherman's getting on pay per view cards, and he just has the worst head movement I've ever seen. So rumble against him would be glorious. <laughs> um, Troy, if you could kind of match him, who would you uh, take him with before we close this out? I, I'd like to see him fight Gustafsson again. That was probably John Jones' best fight that I've ever witnessed. Did you score it to Gustafson or Jones, or have you kind of lost? I never really, I never really thought to score it in that way. I just kind of, I just watched an amazing fight. A lot fight of people think Gustafson, and won I wasn't that. mad either way. Like if Gustafson would have won, I'd have been like, "That's great." If Jones won, that was great and all. Like I just watched a hell of a fight. So Gus got a couple of takedowns that fight as well. 
Yeah, he did actually. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was ridiculous. It's overlooked that now we know that Jones was on cocaine the weekend before. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I mean that. That, I mean, obviously that looked better on Jones, really, because yeah. Coke's not helping him in the fucking no. ring. But <laughs> so I mean, yeah. But Gustafsson has got better. If you take into account what Rick James said. It is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Well, I was uh, sat with sat with someone else when I was messaging you the other day, and I just clicked on your picture. And I went, is, oh yeah, is that Rick James? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Right. Anyone else have anything more to chip in before we move on? Until next time, Rory. <laughs> okay, then on to part two. Rory and Troy have vacated the premises. Left the building. We've uh, moved to the upstairs studio, <laughs> and uh, we are sat down ready for Crystal Palace against Bournemouth, one of the biggest games of the season. <laughs> For any uh, Americans listening, it's not one of the biggest games of the season, just for just for clarity. It's like, I don't know, Bill's Browns or something. <laughs> <laughs> Although the Browns, are, they're cooking. Um, okay, so the obvious place to start when talking about football, United lost again. Oh, did they? <laughs> so this time they were away at West Ham and they lost 3-1. I've seen most of the game... Uh, signal permitting you know uh, on that coach journey to London it's always right when the football's about to start you go that that tunnel through to Heathrow for some reason Heathrow I would think would be the place with maybe the most signal so murderous it's awful so where do you want to start with that game (laughs) maybe the team selection dodgy team selection Uh, even even so the team he's put out then you'd think at the very least, they'd be defensively solid. Why well, <laughs> even that? I didn't know until uh, yesterday that Bai was on the bench and he's just started McTominay at centre back for the sake of yeah, it. Yeah, put McTominay <laughs> in at centre half. That's good for the young players. Build his confidence in. <laughs> he's doing it for McTominay's confidence, maybe. Well, oh, yeah. definitely, definitely would have helped. He's killed off Bai. Yeah, he's. It's literally what that one game. I can't remember who was they played. Was it Brighton? Maybe. Yeah, we were. Bolly just had a howler. Yeah, because we were both saying like, like he's probably their best centre back, and then he's gone in and done that. You yeah. go, oh, okay, maybe we'll look at round ranks again, and then you realise they've got Phil Jones and Lindelof. Well, yeah, as particularly when you look at like Phil Jones, how many mistakes does he have to make, and he's still getting in <laughs> exactly. there each time. At least Bolly does have a good game in him. We know he has that. I don't remember the last time I saw Phil Jones play well. He's just got some pure filth on it. McTominay, <laughs> <laughs> Jones, and Smalling, or maybe he just thinks like he's playing out on the team. He's just got. Group of British lads, let them sort it out between them. Carragher's absolutely killed Lindelof for me as well. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't watch him about thinking that thing where he just, said, he just feels sorry for him. I can't even criticize him; just feel sorry for him. He really is. Uh, it's not good enough. No, he's... the the thing, the thing with the West Ham game and the Wolves game, I thought was that with both of them, it was predictable as well. Like with both of them, I thought, oh, they'll get a result here, Wolves and West Ham. It was, it wasn't like a. Oh, fancy him to do an upset. I thought genuinely you can make a very, very good case that they're going to do this. I thought, when have you been able to say that about United before? I thought they were going to be lucky in that West Ham usually West Ham themselves in. Yes, exactly. They would have found a way to lose. Like I've no doubt United will beat Arsenal this season. It's just what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that West Ham had a bit of that about them as well. They've got Newcastle next, so that's that's your measuring yeah. stick for just how badly you've fallen. Yeah, that's actually at 5.30 before um, the boxing and the UFC kicks off on uh, Saturday night. 
Oof, what a day. Yeah. Because I was thinking that um, Liverpool City was in the day, and I was thinking, what a world of a day this is. <laughs> that was Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, but even Sunday then, so. That's lovely. Might not be much for everyone else, but you've got Arsenal, Fulham to kick off Super Sunday. That should be a good game, then it's nothing else. Chelsea against. I'm not sure who they're against. I think it might be someone like Huddersfield. Mm. But then you've got Liverpool City to. And the weekend, weekend, which I feel like can't live up to expectations now. No, no it, can, it can only shit out. <laughs> the way it's been built. Like, I've brought it up several times on here, and I don't know what it was. There was that, like, uh, Monday night game or whatever, it was a weeknight game, where it's United against City, and for some reason, everyone collectively came together to think, this <laughs> game is going to be class. <laughs> I know you and Brad came over for it, for a, a midweek one, sat in my lounge. I think Langston might have been there as well, and it was nil nil. <laughs> I think United had a shot in like the 89th minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they that was that. literally it for the game. They can do that to you. Yeah. So I mean, disgrace. That was a disgraceful performance. Really, yeah. they, I was when I watched the start of the game. As much as Mourinho might say the first goal, Zablet is offside. I'm so it's marginal. So I missed the first goal. And yeah. I had this conversation with you, but we'll have it again for the sake of this. So. They described it as a flick at the near post yeah. when they were talking Got under about height, it. didn't it? <laughs> the source on that flick. <laughs> a he, Coley would have been proud. He looks a player, that Felipe Anderson. It kind of flatters to deceive a bit at times and I feel being like consistent. But... That's the thing. I think like him and Yarmolenko have both got as much of a mistake in them as they've got class, which, um, don't get me wrong, most of the class players in the league have that about them. Uh, yeah, Only the absolutely. very special. I'd say maybe... De Bruyne is one where maybe I don't see like a, a huge mistake in them. Yeah. Like I don't see him. Was it Yarmolenko who had a 50p head against Chelsea? <laughs> yeah, 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 that was it. When, did you see um, Mark Noble printed out a picture of a guy with a cube head and stuck on his locket? <laughs> <laughs> and walked in, you see him in the dressing room. Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. Um, but no, I think they're probably above West Ham level but maybe not good enough for Liverpool and City. But yeah. I feel like they'd get into our team, they'd get into, uh, they'd probably get in Chelsea's team, United's team. So mm. they're good enough to at least be a squad player for any yeah, of the squad top players. teams. Yeah. But they, yeah, as, as I was saying, they're not doing any less than like Rashford for United, are they? No, that's true. That's true. It's a slightly different thing putting on the United shirt. I do think there's a slightly different pressure, but. Um, even if Mourinho does have criticisms about the goals, he oh wow, what a goal that is for Bournemouth, <laughs> by the way. Jesus, he's had our one down. Is he new? I've not seen him before. Is he, is he a debut a kid? I do like a good seeing a good debut goal. Looks fourteen. Yeah, um, yeah. As much as Mourinho might have a few arguments about the, the goal, it wasn't against the run of play. They had, they couldn't get out of their own half. I'm not that exaggerating. They couldn't get out. Yeah, I against thought, West Ham. I thought I know there was a way finishing but... the game and saying. It's a referee mistake, a linesman mistake, and an own goal was very much underselling West Ham's performance. Yeah, it was, and they um, and he used to do that as a way of covering for the players, paping over the cracks, not damage any confidence, whatever. But everyone kind of knows what he's doing now. It's kind of it's t- too transparent. No one's the players aren't fooled by it. The media certainly aren't. No, and. Um, I don't know if you've seen his, his press conference from earlier, so I was watching it while, while I was eating earlier. And uh, he was asked, and one of the things I do, I don't know if admire is the right word, but 
a lot of managers will not give anything to the press. And he is a tease in that. He'll just give a little bit and he'll just let you just, <laughs> that just sit with you. So he was asked basically um, about the reactions of some players when things are getting tough. And he said, you look at some players and sometimes the happiest player could be the most unhappy. The guy um, who's got the most unhappy face could also be the guy who doesn't care. And he said, so they said, so are you suggesting that your team don't care? And he said, I'm telling you that some players care more than others. Interesting. And he said, they said, so do you care to give any names on that? And he's like, no. no. <laughs> he was asked a question as well. They were like, obviously there's been the rumours, there's footage about you and Pogba. So what's what's happening there? Have you spoken to him since uh, the game? And he was like, do I ask you who the last person you phoned was? <laughs> like, do I ask you who you spoke with this weekend? He was like, no, that's none of your business. So kind of is their business. <laughs> like, it's kind of their job. The um, I also saw a thing in the interview when they said Pogba seemed to be trying hard today or whatever. He's like, well, what did you make of his performance or whatever? And he, was, he just goes, yeah, he's trying hard. Yeah. And then just walks off. Oh. Yeah, I saw that because then um, on match of day, uh, I mean, I know on match of day, they're trying to, they're, they're literally every word he says, they're good, like dissecting, like yeah. you stuff to in English literature, where <laughs> like, they can tell you someone's had a happy day and you deconstruct it to say they've had the worst day ever. <laughs> and they were like, ooh, trying hard. Ooh, what'd you make of that? <laughs> um, but so if I put the question to you, Pogba or Jose, one of them has to leave. Who do you think should be the one to leave? And who do you think will be the one to leave? They asked this on Sky Sports, and I'll tell you, they asked five people, and I'll tell you what they what yeah. they said after. Um, funny, though, I believe we actually kind of alluded to this over yeah, the summer on the did, pod, didn't we? We, did. we said we think at some point he's going to battle players, and we thought, who's going to be the one that... Breaks the camel's back, basically. Yeah, and we said Pogba, didn't we? So we thought, if he takes him on, that might yeah. be the one that... I th- Gets people's backs up. I think I actually said he's not stupid enough to go at Pogba. Yeah, interesting. Um, who do I think will win out? Uh, I think as long as Mourinho's, I don't, I don't know if he, if he can't change his own sort of persona, not persona, but the atmosphere around the club. Even I if, get what you're saying, yeah. Then some, I think he'll be the one that goes first, just because I think who's going to take Pogba off the hands? They're going to take have to spend a huge amount of money to get him. Whatever club they talk about Barcelona, they're going to have to spend a hideous amount of money to get him. You forget his agent as well. You have to spend even more, yeah, because of his agent. And the fans, I think, if they ultimately had to choose, would choose to keep Pogba over Mourinho. I know some of them are maybe a little bit tired of his antics and stuff, but none of them are particularly enamoured with Mourinho. And I think no. that's that's the key thing most of the time with Jose. He's kind of tended to have some fans on side. And I think United fans are kind of falling away from that a little bit. Sunday seems to be the point where they've all just gone, right, I'm sick of this now. Yeah. You saw the first rumblings of it when they lost to City at last mm. season when they were, what, like 20 points behind. They didn't even try to go forward. And it's kind of got gradually, gradually, gradually more from there. It was interesting. What was that away game they lost? And then all the fans were applauding Jose. I thought that was quite a bit of show of solidarity that I wasn't quite expecting. There's only a few I weeks know, ago. yeah. yeah. It, it, I think it was the week after the Brighton game. So I can't think who it was. But no, I know the game you're referring to. But, it was I mean, on a Monday night, wasn't it? Yeah. But having said that, I think that, that support is dwindling. Um, yeah. 
in terms of what I think will happen, I'd, I'd be surprised if Jose sees out the season. That looked more pity would. to me there. Yeah, was... you might be right. You might be right. And if he gets to January, I don't doubt he'll probably try to sell Pogba. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, but I think, I don't think they'll be able to get rid of Pogba, in which case, results carry on. I think the pressure will get too much and they'll get rid of Jose in his first season again. In terms of what I think should happen, I would do that. I'd get rid of Jose and start again with someone else. Now, you have got a good argument in terms of who are they going to get in. Was it the Spurs they game? Should, they shouldn't be struggling for options in United, should they? Was it the Spurs game they were applauding him after? Yeah, I think you might be right. 3-0 down, yeah, and then they that were clapping him off. I thought he was going to get a, a tougher time than that. And he even looked surprised himself. But, having said that, since then, he lost to Wolves. And, yeah. well, they drew Wolves, didn't they? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, yeah, so who do you, who, way, like who do you think? So who do you think should go? So I think that's my answer for would, and I'll say the same for should. I, that's what I would do. I would bid Jose look at your other options and get Pogba in, only because they have some decent talent there, definitely attacking wise that they just aren't fulfilling, and you can only really put that down to the manager, the philosophy, and the atmosphere he's creating. I do think. Personally, the players need to take a lot more responsibility than they are. But in in reality, the footballing world we live in, that isn't actually going to happen. So you're going to have to get rid of the manager. <laughs> so on Sky Sports earlier, they asked, who do you think should be the one to go? They said, who would you get rid of? Yeah, Pogba or Jose? And um, three of them said Pogba yep. they'd get rid of. Okay. And two of them said... I'm sick of it. Just get rid of both of them. <laughs> In all fairness, if that was an option, maybe I would go with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I actually think that. Let's see, if Jose's track record was like wasn't what it was, if I would just see it on paper, then I'd say get rid of Pogba. Like, yeah. Because I'd say Jose's on paper looks better than Pogba's on paper. And also, Pogba's performances aren't. That's setting the, the world thing. alight to the point where you could justify acting like a sport child. This, this is one of the things. So I see a lot of people, myself included, have said it. Jose's system doesn't suit the way Pogba plays. Once you're on the pitch, I don't see how constraining that can be. No. Like it's not almost like you're playing a video game and he can like disable you going forward past a certain mark. And there has been games where, so the City game and they're two 0 down last year, he then took over that game, didn't he? He got the goal, yeah. he got the assist, and then I think he got another goal. And so he obviously is capable of it, and you can't give him credit there, but not give Jose the credit yeah. for allowing it. Yeah. So you can't say it's his credit when he does do it, but it's not... It's not his, his fault credit. when he yeah. plays shit. And I think it's a point, and we've seen this a lot with Jose teams, is where they almost sense he's close to the exit and they think, well, I'm not playing for him. Why would yeah. I put in a yeah. effort for him? And Pogba, just from him on the pitch, um, he seems like the guy who is sulking. And I know That's you sound it. like a bit of like a 80-year-old man saying, oh, I don't want the haircuts. And... <laughs> but there does seem to be an element of like, if you put half as much effort into it on the mm. pitch yeah. and sort it out, and even if the two don't go hand in hand, it at least sends a message to... Yeah the fans that you're not playing the game they're forgetting about it for the rest of the week like I know they won that City game but do you remember he turned up to that City game with a blue streak in his hair and it was yeah. like what are you doing well when they were losing that game yeah. everybody was you know giving him a grilling at that point weren't they and then yeah. obviously it turned around and you know the rest is history um, the thing is if he goes he is going to have a worldie somewhere else and he's <laughs> just, but 
you look at say Sanchez, clearly a class player, not doing it at mm. not doing it at United. You look at Martial, who looks like he's just got shackles on. Yeah. Rashford looks like he's being mismanaged, and I've gone off the ball a bit with him purely because I think the praise has gone so far the one way that he now gets a free pass when he plays poorly. He falls into the same category as Pogba. When he plays well, gets all the credit. When he doesn't yeah. play well, oh, Jose's not playing him properly. Well, we, like you said, when he get out on the pitch, he isn't making you fuck up a five-yard no. pass. He isn't stopping you busting the gut. He isn't stopping you making tackles. So, Well, it was like that thing that I brought up in the City documentary with Delph, and he's saying, like, you don't have to be a world-class player to be able to do the basics, and half of what we're getting wrong is the basics, and that's half of what United are getting wrong. Like yeah. the, Your mentality starting again with West Ham shouldn't be Let's let's see how many we how many we can uh, stop them scoring here. It should be like let's go up the other end, keep it tight enough to be able to go on. And if you're a world class midfielder, you're a leader, then you can kind of raise your head above all this and, and come out of it. And you'll be in the teams, even if the team's losing, you're the team's top performer, yeah. and you're you're doing enough that people can recognise what a top talent you are. Gerard wasn't playing in great Liverpool teams and he was still at the level above. I mean, so. I'm finding myself defending Jose, which I'll tell you, this morning I didn't think I was going to do. I also think that you know who Jose is. Don't sign for a Jose team and complain that you're having to do too much defending and the mentality's wrong. When his entire career, he's been playing that way. You didn't know what you were getting, did yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. And the players maybe aren't the same, but uh, so that Chelsea team that won the league under Jose, they weren't a boring team to watch, were they? They they were they were efficient. They were but efficient, but you were turning in and you were seeing Drogba, Lampard, and I'm not saying Pogba needs to be Lampard and Lukaku no. needs to be Drogba, but the formula is there and it's a proven system that can work. And if you're supposedly as good a players as you can be, and you see a lot more talking from the likes of Pogba and and Co than you did from the previous Chelsea teams. You have to be able to back it up, and it seems like there's a lot of players on this team that want to accept no responsibility at all, no. but want to jump on Instagram after and say, "Great win, great team spirit, great performance." It's it's going a lot like um, Arsenal with the end of Wenger, I think. Just in terms, of, I was to the point where. A little bit like with Jose, I was criticising the manager at first, and then the more it went on, I was looking at it thinking like some of these are supposed world class players yeah. who are just down tools and aren't doing stuff for him. Now you can't blame the manager for players not trying. And no, I thought Pogba's attitude when he got taken off spoke volumes. I haven't he seen seemed, that. He seemed happy to come off. He seemed happy as in so they, they were two 0 down at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen match of day highlights back. He gets hooked. He looks happy enough to get off, get off the pitch. I don't have to help him out anymore. We're probably going to lose this game. Another bit more pressure on the manager. Lo and behold, they scored straight away after he came <laughs> off the way. But, uh, Jose tried patting him on the back, didn't he? He wasn't having it. And no. like, I'm not saying, I mean, the relationship may be beyond repair. Yeah, but probably another, another thing is like, and I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. We don't actually know what they've fallen out about. It could be a perfectly legitimate reason that as to why they've fallen out. And I know this happens with Jose, but as much as we said they shouldn't go, each player should almost be on a level. Like You should be able to tell Pogba you're doing this wrong. And I'm not sure he's someone who's going to take criticism too well. No. 
But it could be a perfectly legitimate thing, and this is only really the first time I'm giving this any consideration as to why that could be the case, purely because of past things with Jose, that the way he's gone at Martial, um, and the way he's gone at Shaw. But, I mean, uh, Pogba's obviously bad enough, because he's let them off, and he's gone to Pogba now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think players do think they're above criticism, and I think Jose's from a kind of old school that you're not above criticism, he'll come, he'll come for anyone. I think we're all kind of guilty of that at points where everyone's happy to hear praise. And it's almost like that little quote I put in from Bojack Walsman the other day. Saying, yeah, yeah, true. Everyone's problem is everyone wants to be told what they, what, want to hear. What, what they already uh, believe to be true kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. And so maybe the issue is that he's probably not the best person at telling you what you're doing wrong. But it's also maybe that the mentality of the players, because you look at, Lampard and he said the best thing about Jose was that he would tell him what he was doing wrong but he would also tell him how he could sort it out yeah and that obviously built the team there and maybe it's a case of like Wenger where your methods aren't going to work for so long they're only you need to move on with the game and fronting up like that isn't going to work because at every point where he's had success his defensive abilities were better than everyone else's attacking abilities. And you look at the likes of Liverpool, you look at the likes of City now, and it's almost like the shift has changed and they're better at attacking now with that mindset than Jose's defensive mindset is. And the defensive mindset seems to be more and more. It used to be, right, we're going to beat all these teams, we're going to be solid and we're going to pick them off. But they seem to just be creeping deeper and deeper back can't beat those other teams so I wouldn't doubt their ability to go against Liverpool for example and pick up a draw or even nick a win just because you can part the bus and manage the game in that sense but when it comes to playing Wolves West Hamster you can't be parked in and stuff you do have to play them and you have the players to do it they're almost trying to bluff each other aren't they like which, yeah. which one of us is going to yeah, play yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> I think that's where I think there's two things with him. one it was always built on a strong back five keeper and back four yeah and he's never established that at United. And I think that's one of the biggest criticisms you can have of him is all the money spent, he hasn't established any real defence. And But then on the flip side, I think he's different to how he was back when he was at Chelsea. I think there was a sort of a twinkle in his eye back then, yeah, yeah. charisma to what he's doing. I think it translates to the media and the fans. I think it definitely translates to the players. He's just a grumpy old man now. Well, there was almost and a that, charm to it, wasn't there? Exactly. It was like, it was like you, you, you are also, you are like, a bastard, but you're like he's like he was charming with it. Exactly, the the, the special one thing. Yeah. Before, before I sure arrogant, aren't you? But like you said, there's a charisma to it. Sort of like, sort of like kind of bloke in the club who's a bit up himself, and all the girls know it, but they still <laughs> kind of flock to him anyway. Josie was that sort of guy, and he's not that guy anymore. He's just ten years older or whatever he is, and a mopey old bastard now. You you wouldn't like he's never going to be short of someone taking him to their club or like he's, people are always going to jump at a chance and you also wouldn't put it past him to win another major title somewhere else everyone with him is always like you're waiting for the resurgence as well you're thinking right he'll come back at some point like a you know like people did with Tiger Woods for example oh, so he's got another major in him or whatever like that I was thinking of an example when we were saying this about Anthony Pettis earlier he seems one of those guys who can lose no matter how many times and each fight he goes into you're like he could he could get this done 100% yeah 100% much the same as whoever buys Pogba they go they're banking on right he'll, he'll turn it in at some point yeah. I saw an interesting thing um, on Monday with Carragher saying like everyone's 
assuming that they get rid of Marino, you're going to get a different Pogba. He's like, you're not going to see that much difference. Trust me. He said, the player is what he is. He hates Pogba, he? <laughs> but he said like, he's had two years to show us something and he's not shown as much different on a weekly basis. So, don't go thinking just because you've got a different manager you're going to get a completely different player. Well, he wasn't doing it when he first signed and like he was more than happy then, wasn't he? Oh, is he much different to what he was at Juve? Is he much different, significantly different? Well, yeah, I mean, something that you were talking about, the league is different, isn't it? Like You have a lot more time on the ball. Fouls, fouls are given far more cheaply over there. But even then, people forget that when he was talked about 89 million, it was the most outrageous thing that people had ever heard. They were like, also, at the million. same time, everyone's like, oh, I don't want United to get Pogba. Yeah, but that was more of a... The same thing we're talking about now is that what he could do, what he could yeah, become. Yeah, I, I get you. And I, we're still having that conversation. There seemed to be a thing that he won the World Cup with France over the summer, so that was him fulfilling his potential. But he wasn't like he dragged into the tournament. Also, they had world-class players. He didn't team. make it in England before. <laughs> I had to move away. I know he was young. Yeah, that was probably more United's fault Siri- for not paying it. But... Syria is... Um, I'm... I'm saying this, I may be uh, being quite naive, Ignorantly. but it's like their league seems like it's as far away from ours as it can be in that... The style. Yeah, I mean, it's far less physical. Um, I'm not sure you get, particularly as a Juve player, you don't get the competition that you're going to get elsewhere. I don't think the pressure is there as a Juve player as it is as a United player, especially not in the league, maybe in the Champions League, but not in the league. And even the Juve teams he was in, there was always a Barcelona team better. So he wasn't going in like, we need to win this every season. And you could have that pressure is in the Serie A with Juve because who was going to beat you? Yeah, particularly the time he was at Juve, they were kind of strolling the league, weren't they? But I think maybe we're a little... Well, a little ignorant to the the pressure they'll receive just because Juve are the biggest club in Italy and they are the, it is the country to give us with paparazzi, so their their press <laughs> aren't the most forgiving. But uh, I, I don't know. I think he falls into a little bit in the category of I think maybe people maybe are just expecting too much from him as well in terms of he's a world class player, but I think I don't he's know like if Ertzil. he's the elite player. I think he's like Ertzil in that. Like, well, actually, I don't know because Ertzil is his attributes aren't one to drag you into a game, whereas Pogba has proven he can do that. Mm. And maybe he, the worst thing he could have done is actually show glimpses of him being able to do it. Because that's the thing that happens with Ertzel every time, isn't it? Every time he has a good game, it's like, why aren't you doing that weekend? Yeah, weekend? you can see what he can do. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not a good look for him if they do switch it up, and then he's still not doing it. No, exactly. Um, and the other thing for them is, they've now worked through Moyes, Van Gaal, and no Mourinho. So Mourinho's kind of as close as they thought they're probably going to get to a, a guarantee of success. Yeah. So if you get rid of him, then who do you get? Everyone talk about Zidane, but what if you don't get Zidane? Or what if Zidane doesn't work out? Because he didn't inherit the same Madrid team that he inherited. You basically uh, swap him and Warnock. <laughs> he gets to be as defensive as he wants at Cardiff. And Warnock is maybe a bigger shithouse than Jose in that he can come in and he can make this work. And he's not going to take this from Pogba. And he's going to be a bit more ruthless than Jose. Is it Pogba in the reserves? <laughs> Pogba might think, oh, I actually don't want to get on the wrong side of you because you might grip me up. Imagine if Pogba hits the form of his life under Warnock. <laughs> like, I've never played for a manager like him. I love it. Warnock comes in. First things first. Military haircuts. We're not having any. We're not having any of this nonsense they're having now. You're getting a buzz cut all over. 
Start shearing Second people's thing, hair. Black boots. No coloured boots here. Everyone's <laughs> going traditional black boots. They get old Bob in as the assistant manager. <laughs> and teach Annie. Blue passport football. <laughs> and he teaches them some old military ways. <laughs> I love that account so much. <laughs> if we uh, move on from United, then... Um, so Arsenal have made it seven straight now. Um, we'll pretend the run isn't uh, Cardiff, Newcastle, Warscola, Brentford, Watford, Everton and West Ham. <laughs> but it's seven on the bounce. and There's not been for a long time that we could say that. Um, oh, the one thing I'll be the first to say is they haven't looked particularly impressive in any of the games. Any of them? Well, the ones they have... I saw the Watford game, you were quite fortunate. Very fortunate. Uh, the Vorskla game, they scored two with probably the two shots they had. <laughs> um, the West Ham game, West Ham could easily have won and didn't. Yeah. Um, the Brentford game, there was a point where they looked like they were going to get back into it. Uh, the Cardiff game were on the ropes. The Newcastle game was probably the best 45 minutes they've played and they still conceded a stupid goal at the end of that. So I'm not getting too ahead of myself. Uh, I mean, I know some people are... I saw an account earlier that said... Amongst everything this weekend, it's quite easy to uh, to not notice that Hector Bellerin amassed a 94.7 pass completion rate. For fuck's sake. <laughs> and it's actually proving to be one of the great players in the league. <laughs> oh, my word. And I was going to reply to it, and I just had to breathe. No, no, you're better than this. <laughs> you don't need to lower yourself. Um, but what, another thing, I suppose, is still aren't playing great and getting results, which is something that last season they weren't playing great and they weren't getting results sign of a good team they all say so goes the cliche I did see um, one of those uh, mongs from Arsenal fan TV earlier oh, I think that's God. the first time I used the word mong in a few yeah, years actually um, and he was like the media are hating this they're really not happy that we've got this seven game run they really want us to go back so they can write their columns about us I don't think people care about Arsenal as much as some Arsenal fans think people care about Arsenal and the reason yeah. these stories get made is because these same people click on them and feed into yeah, yeah, the exact yeah. thing. You just ignore them, you block the accounts, and then it goes away because you're not seeing it. I saw a United fan tweeting something about, was it what was Spurs Liverpool? I can't remember who it was. And they were saying about losing, oh, I can't remember what it was. And they said, oh, well, of course the media aren't going to focus on this because it's not United, is it? <laughs> Well, I think you've got somewhat bigger problems than the other clubs you just mentioned, but whatever. Yeah, some, the arrogance of some fans thinking like the media only cares about them is unbelievable. <laughs> there was literally a spell of Arsenal, but it was literally we were in crisis. Wenger <laughs> yeah, was it. on the way out. There was constant, is he, isn't he? Alexis had just left. Ozil <laughs> had signed a new deal and wasn't performing. So Yeah, you're the most in crisis. They yeah. can, the media could have right itself. I will say Spurs do seem to get away with it. They do seem to be one that <laughs> managed to steer clear of criticism. Well, they'll get it till towards the end of the season when they go out of all the tournaments and then it'll be, oh, well, when are Spurs going to win a trophy? So they'll get their time. So one thing I'm not sure you've seen. So uh, in the first half of the Arsenal game, uh, there wasn't too many chances. Uh, Lacazette knocked it past... I'm not sure which defender it was. Maybe Holy Bass, but... Uh, basically had his legs kicked. Blatant penalty, but he doesn't go down. Yeah, yeah, I did see it. Yeah, and so the clear thing is, surely it, it's encouraging diving yeah, because definitely. if you don't go down, you then it gives it. it. And I did see someone saying, which saying 
the thing is, everyone's saying he should have dived. If he had dived, all the pundits would have said like how bad it is to dive. Whereas Spurs do seem to get away with this. Where it's when it's whenever it's like Deli Ali and it's like, well, you do you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, it does seem to be dependent on the player, doesn't it? Particularly if they're English. We like, I, like I don't well. want them to dive, but like I said, the trial was like you've got to go down. Like but I don't consider that a dive. No, because that... he's he's fouled him enough to put him off. Just because he stayed on his feet, the, the chance is still effectively gone. It's, it's the so if you hit the ground, you haven't dived at such. You've the thing is though, like sometimes when you're not used to it, like some players, I think just have it in them to be able to go down. Second whereas some, nature. like yeah, your instinct is to try yeah. and stay on your feet. And I think, like I don't know if it's like an eagerness to impress or what, or if, if he's just always been, or if he's always been that kind of player. But some go down then it looks less natural and you then get the reputation which Yeah, it's true. It's hard, isn't it, to like fall unintentionally like when I brought it up earlier when uh, I was doing um BJJ with Rory, they they did this warm up and I hated it every week because I can't do it. And you it was just falling backwards and just falling flat back without like bracing your fall basically. Okay. So you had to slap your hands into the mat and fall back. And I can't do it. I like my even if it gets like the split second, I like brace, brace I brace the bit. fall, yeah, yeah, and I, and I can't do it. But that's kind of thing. Like some players are just awful at covering up them, them trying to go down. It's not. I don't think Williams, William isn't very good at it. Like he always seems to go down like two seconds too late. <laughs> but I think the refs just need to start giving it. I understand they're under a lot of pressure, but they're they're there to do the job, and so it's quite easy to see, particularly when you're that close and you can hear the shin pad being kicked. Yeah. You can see the stumble where, why is he going to try and stumble? And particularly sometimes if they try and stay on their feet, then that actually could show more of it because why would they stumble for no reason if they're already trying to stay up and score? Yeah, no, that is completely true. I do think the strange thing with that being is you'll have like pundits will say like, he just doesn't have to go down for a penalty. But then if they the ref had give that, They'd be like, oh, well, he hasn't fired him that badly because he stayed on his feet. He hasn't gone down. So we're almost drawing the criteria of they have to go down for it yeah. to be a foul. Um, another thing to do with Arsenal before we move on is I think that maybe, although he's getting results here, he needs to look at maybe another system because at the moment, and they tried switching up in the second half and it didn't work, he's playing one of Lacazette or Aubameyang up top. It's been Lacazette for the most part. And then uh, the other one's been shifted out onto the left. Yeah. And putting a Bamiang out on the left is just a waste. It's doing him a disservice, isn't it? And really? it's getting him out of his flow. Like he it's looks like he's second guessing everything. Um, he's playing Ramsey in the ten position and Ertzel deep in midfield. Surely just swap those two up. Well, I think he likes that uh, Ramsey's press from the top. And then over Ertzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Ramsey doesn't seem to be very effective there, and Ertzil seems to be uh, kind of flitting in and out. So I think he does need to have something other than one formation which he's going to use. The other thing being, he had a harsh start getting those two games to start with. Yeah. But then that running games you just spoke of, Arsenal never really had too much trouble dealing with those games, though. You no. you do have the occasional slip up, but your record is actually pretty good, yeah, especially yeah. home games against the smaller teams. You tend to get results. So I don't know that we're seeing things a whole lot different to what we would have been seeing from Arsenal anyway. I would say like, a game like the Watford one would be a game where we would have crumbled and we look like yeah. we're up for the fight a bit more. 
like uh just someone like Torreira and I was saying like he looked like he was relishing the battle to be smashing into Dini and giving it back and Socrates for all of his faults and trust me there are a lot of them <laughs> looks like he is up for the fight and there's a se- there's several other players and sometimes all you need is one or two of them to bring it out of everyone else so yeah sets a tone Iwobi seems to have, to be much improved and that's true the difference was last season when he was coming on there was groans all over the stadium and he was cheered on on Saturday and he actually changed the game. And Not for the first time he seems to have impacted no, as this, well. That's, this is one of the things I like about Emery and it should be a given with managers, although I know it's not. And we say it a lot with international football that it's not. I like that if you come on and you perform well, then you're going to make your way into the team. And if you perform well in training, like Gwendouzi had a great pre-season, so he started at the start yeah, of the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lacazette started on the bench. He came on and he got a couple of goals, so he's now started. Um, Torreira kept coming on, doing well from the bench, and so now he's been put into the team. Mm. Um, it, it's interesting to see whether Holding stays in the team because he's outperformed Mustafi. Mustafi oh, is still Mustafi every day of the garbage, week. and him and Socrates could be great because as much as Socrates isn't the best defender. He does it like a leader, and maybe that's just what you need. Someone with experience next to Holden to teach him the little tricks. At least Holden's got legs, so which you're going to need again next. He's actually looked really good the last the last couple of games. I know it's been against limited opposition, but he definitely looks like the experienced one out of him and Mustafi. Oh, Christ! He he's the one that he's actually having to tidy up a lot of Mustafi's mistakes. Yeah, kind of um, like when. D- you would have some with legs in behind, say Terry, to kind of sweep in behind, and that looks like what he's good at. And he's good with the ball at his feet. Like I said for a long time, that out of him and Chambers, Holding is the is the better one of the two. Oh, hundred percent. Chambers, I would I would give up on like now seeing him at Fulham. I'm amazed. Yeah, I'm amazed he stayed at Arsenal for as long as he has. Well, I think it's benefited him that he's English. Yeah. So you need the, the, the <laughs> kind of squad rules, but. No, I, I, I don't. Well, we've just given him a new four-year deal, so. Jesus. But no, he, he's not one that I'd be looking to uh, base my defense around, and he's certainly not someone where I would be looking to put him with holding. Whereas holding looks like someone who is only going to improve, and I do like the look of him. We said it before, didn't we? And then his confidence kind of crashed, and Wenger kind of threw him Wenger, out. Of it, Wenger but... took him off, I think, as a sub after about half an hour one game. And then dropped him from the squad yeah. completely. Was like, oh, what just kind of killed him, which is he? weird because he was, if anything, he was a good man manager. Wenger. He was exactly the type of player you think he'd persist with. But strange. Yeah, I think maybe for him, he sensed the time was getting up, and he was like, <laughs> "I've got to do something." Um, so something which kind of fits in with Arsenal, but um, could I suppose apply to others? So Ramsey's contract expires at the end of the season. He's getting a lot of stick now for not having signed earlier and supposedly what's happened is there was a contract on the table. Arsenal then looked at kind of what he was producing and said, actually, we're not going to pay you that much. Oh, God. I took the contract off the table and I've offered him a lower one, which he's not signed, understandably. So when you know a player is leaving like it is, and obviously their head isn't going to be quite in the game as much or their performances do drop, do you play them or do you kind of remove them from the team completely? Because on the one hand, if Arsenal want to sell him, dropping him completely isn't going to help because his value is only going to go down, 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 down. Or do you keep playing him and kind of show him, look, this is what you could be involved in if you sign this contract? I'd probably keep playing him for that reason. If you could try and entice him into a new deal, great. 
you're benefiting from a top class player playing for you. But also, like you said, the value is the main thing. You retain some value if you did want to sell in January, for example. Because, say, um, at the ground on Saturday, every time he missed a tackle, it was a oh, this is because he hasn't signed a fucking contract <laughs> and all this. We need to drop him Like in the interviews after the game. Like, I don't really know why I watch Arsenal on fan TV because I disagree with most of it, but it does still give me a weird kick. <laughs> um, although I was sick of after every game last season, someone unoriginally tweeting, oh, Arsenal fan TV, it'll be fun tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone on those interviews on Saturday was like, right, Iwobi needs to come in for Ramsey now. And it's like, Let's not jump the gun a bit too quickly because only last season these same people were saying Ramsey's one of the best in box-to-box midfielders in all of Europe. Yep. But myself included, I did tweet saying I've got no shame in that my opinion on him is going to change the second he signs for someone else. <laughs> it's interesting how the ties turned in terms of support against him. In contrast, I don't think you saw that so much with Ozil and Wilshire. Wilshire, Wilshire got very lightly um, yeah. and I think it helped that he came out and basically said several times look I want to sign uh, if I have my way I'm going to be staying here Yeah, I mean essentially it looks like he was told look you can stay but you you're, not, you're not going to be getting much game time and it looks to Ramsey like they've said look you're going to be playing but you're not as valuable as you think you are and so you can't be putting off a forward, then withdrawing it and giving a lower it's kind offer. Of the one, it's kind of on the one hand, on. Um, you give it sort of three hundred and fifty grand a week, and it's like, look, you, you're showing some intent now. You're trying to keep your best players, but on the other hand, every player is going to be looking like he doesn't do that much more than me. So you offering me one hundred and ten grand a week and offering him three hundred and fifty is making me think maybe I'm worth a bit more. That's crazy, isn't it? Because he's contributed more goals and assists for the last three seasons than Ursel has. And the thing is if he goes on a free somewhere, he can kinda of write his own ticket in terms of yeah. people, club will pay pay him more money because they haven't had to pay any transfers. Supposedly he asked for two hundred a week, Ramsey. In the grand scheme it's crazy that we're saying that's not too much money, yeah, isn't it? I mean things. we gave Walcott hundred and forty grand a week. <laughs> Tell you what, Theo should have just gone around with a balaclava on at times because <laughs> he was outrageous. Signed the ting, come on! He had he had the he had the pressure of the fans making that happen. Hits the form, gets an extra contract. That's how he was out of form, gets injured. It was, he had like three different cycles of doing that. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and he looks good for Everton now. I think he's looked. I think he's looked great for Everton uh, this bad. season. Not we, bad. I mean, he's he's looked better than the fellow English players in his position. Yeah. Um. So Ramsey, I mean, I'd like him to stay, but but there's a little. I mean, Danny Welbeck's contract expires at the end of the season, and he's someone where I said to my uncle, like, I'd like him to stay. He's had a good start to the season. He's great at what he does, but I wouldn't begrudge him if he went elsewhere. I mean, what is he like? Twenty eight. He's going to be in the time of his career where he wants to be playing every week. Yeah. I've no doubt he's good enough to be playing for. 70% of clubs as a starter in the Premier League. Yeah. So, and, I mean, he's, he's finishing is laughed at, but it's actually not bad, like, his finishing and what you lack in maybe, um, it's, I don't know if clinicality is a word, maybe what you lack in, um, like, his conversion rate, he makes up for in his work rate. So you do get, you do definitely get a good player there. And Monreal's contract also expires. And our only left-backs are Monreal and Kolasinac, who 
has gone missing. He can't, well, he can't defend for the life of him. And going forward, his position is awful. He's just got a bit of a rocket shot on him and he looks like a hard bloke. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been getting by on that. If we move on from Arsenal, because I could talk about them for hours on end. Um, Liverpool-Chelsea on Saturday. Uh, fairly even game. Chelsea it's a good pro- game, I thought. Yeah, um, Chelsea probably could have killed the game off early. Best if, player in the world could yeah, have done. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sturridge came on, and I don't know why as fans you would ever try and antagonise a player. It makes no sense. They were singing, you're just a shit Chelsea reject to him when he came on. <laughs> he two, should have celebrated after that. Two, two minutes later, bang. Fronk. Lee Dixon, I didn't know he had that animation <laughs> in him. <laughs> he he was he was getting carried away. He's then uh, gone that. And like I said to you, I, I love it when they just kind of don it out when they score a goal like that, where it's like, what, well, I score that? Every day in training, this isn't a big thing for me. Yeah, he posted the thing saying like he does respect Chelsea and stuff. Oh, I thought he was just doing it as like the the cool like Cantona. I think it was a little bit of that as well, in all fairness. But he scored against me midweek, didn't he? And just lost his head and celebrated. So I think (laughs) so. Then he said, like, I'll rein it in a bit. But they're singing to you, you're a shit Chelsea reject. Fuck (laughs) him. Did you see? Did you see Hazard's interview after the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, well, I scored in midweek. He scored. I scored again. He did. He was like, I think he kind of just wants to be me. Yeah, <laughs> he does seem like a great bloke, Hazard. For although we we're very critical of him, but I think quite deservingly. But he does seem like quite a good bloke. Um, so that leads us on. Actually, before we can move on to the question I was going to ask, um, did this game tell you anything more about Chelsea or Liverpool? Uh. I don't think we learned too much more about it. I thought Chelsea were a little bit more solid than they have been. It's a, they've played some nice football, but I thought they've looked a little leaky at the back where I thought a top team could get them a bit. I thought they closed it well. I thought both teams, the intensity, the press, and their running, their passing was impressive, especially the first half. It was a really good game. The difference with Chelsea seems to be they like to keep a higher line. Mm-hmm. And I think that seems to be one of Sari's, like, points on his kind of on his whiteboard no he's pretty quickly he has built a, a good team there changed his style quite significantly actually but he looks like a manager you wouldn't want to piss off yeah but then he seems pretty chilled but yeah I can imagine he is one when he does flip you, <laughs> you know about it Yeah, I, I don't think we learn an awful lot about either of them uh, but I, I think we probably learn that people seem to think Chelsea are going to fade I think they'll be there for a good long while, yeah. I mean, keep Hazard fit, probably. But I thought the telling thing for me was that Liverpool were able to bring Shakiri and Sturridge off the bench, whereas Chelsea brought on Victor Moses. Yeah, and you might. I know they were trying to close out the game, but I just think their depth isn't there as much. That to, I mean, we wouldn't have put them in the picture for winning the league at the start of the season. I think half of us didn't even have them in our top four, if I remember rightly. No, I don't know. Um, and nor did I, so I think the depth is what's going to let them down. I don't think they're going to be able to mount a title challenge with their squad, but... The I thing th- with that being as well, it wouldn't be too crazy for us in a few months' time yeah. to have said, Sturridge has been injured all the time since then, and Shakira's out of form. Both of those things have, yeah. have happened most other seasons in both their <laughs> careers. So as, as talented players they are, I think, I think people maybe are reading a little bit into the depth a little bit too much. I thought um, 
something with Chelsea is they haven't disgraced themselves against any of the big teams either. They look like they've got more than enough to go head to head. Yeah, exactly, exactly with each what I mean. Team and but yeah, kind of like what you said though. Hazard, if he goes off form, then he seems to be the route for their attacks and. With it's a strange one, then because they do have other options, but it does seem to become a right. You do something magic, and, and we'll work I feel like, and I think Dixon may have mentioned this on commentary. I think Sari prefers Morata, but Hazard prefers playing Giroud. with Giroud, mm-hmm. and so he's kind of caught in. Do I keep my star player happy, or do I go with what I want to go for? Go with Giroud, come on. Well, that kind of takes us on then. So Danny Murphy was on Talk Sport today. Well, I hate even mentioning them. And he said that Daniel Sturridge is the best second striker in the Premier League. Mm. And I kind of asked you to have a lot of think about this. So, do you agree? Uh, he's a good option to have. Um, but then, there's some other good options... If Gabriel Jesus is a second cho- yeah, choice striker, on... then what? That's a very, very good second choice. I think Giroud is, is the is he best. A, is he a second choice? I think technically, throughout his career, he has. Oh, oh throughout his career, he has. I, I would... no, no, I, I mean, like, I think he's kind of been promoted to number one at Chelsea. That's, I, I would probably have him in the debate as a number two on this one. In that, I think Morata is still their guy. Like they play Giroud because either they feel they have to or they just need to at this point. Like, I think if Sarri's putting his best team on paper, then he's going to have Morata in mm. in his start. I don't think the slot. fans would agree with him on that one, but yeah. No, I mean, they were complaining when they signed Giroud, Chelsea fans. And yeah. very quickly, he gets you... He Decided gets they quite like him and fucking hate Morata. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, Jesus will another one. Rashford for United, although I'd probably, as a striker, I think Sturridge is... I was say more reliable, but as a striker, I mean Sturridge is probably a better backup to have. Do you want who's who's going to get your goal? I would say Sturridge. I yeah, think Rashford can do more now. <laughs> Jesus, like you said, is up. unbelievable. I mean, he was starting for Brazil ahead of Firmino over the summer. Yeah, so. I mean, like Arsenal, I wouldn't really say Lacazette or Aubameyang either are really a second striker. I would probably say Welbeck is probably is your next option, isn't is it? Is the second striker there, and it's not a bad. It's, it's not a bad one, but I was trying to think for Spurs. Janssen. <laughs> I probably would you put Son in that? Would you call Son, Son their second striker? Not really. No, no. I mean, he goes up when Kane isn't there. Like he's the guy. Yeah, yeah. But then you could Lucas Moore is kind of filled in there at times as well, yeah. so you can't. It's not a bad argument. As far as Danny Murphy goes, that's not a bad argument he's pitched. <laughs> that ain't bad. So do you think you, people... He was getting some backlash online for it. I've, I've said to you before, though, even with that goal, I've still not actually seen Sturridge run this season. I mean, like, have a sprint. <laughs> I've not seen him do it. People said, like, you know, he looks fitter, he looks man- like he managed himself better. That means he's just not sprinting. He can't pull a hamstring if he doesn't sprint. <laughs> that's what I'm going with. Well, maybe that's why he didn't celebrate. He was like, right, I'm not, I'm not risking anything I'm only going to pull up here. I do genuinely think there's some sort of legs to that. I said before when we said about the Michael Owen interview at BT, I wouldn't be surprised if Sturge was having similar thoughts to what was going on in Owen's head. <laughs> in terms of like, I can't run like I used to, I can't get in positions I used to. Yeah, Obviously, still, right. still a very good player though. So, you can produce 
like he did against Chelsea, that little frobber. Yeah. That was weird because it didn't. It, it when wasn't... he shaped up to hit it, I let me tell you, I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck are you doing?" Well, it wasn't even one like it's like fizzed off his foot. Like it wasn't like a rocket in that. It just looked like there was nowhere else he could put it other than there. Yeah. Other than there, and yeah. he's put it there. This put this advert makes me so sick. <laughs> but no, I mean. If we if we call if we can call Giroud a second striker, I'll have him as that. If not, I would take Jesus as my backup striker over Sturridge. Yeah, I would too. But that's not bad company to be mixing in. No, definitely not. I was just seeing if I could find a thread to see um, other people, but I think it's going to take me a while to find it with some of the garbage on Twitter. So we'll move on. Um, what else do we have here? So, yeah, City kind of just getting it done again. Two 0 win for them. Was it two now? Yeah, comprehensive. Yeah. I said to my dad, do you think Brighton just took the idea that, all right, if we don't upset them, they'll leave it at two now? Yeah. <laughs> so he had 20% possession for the whole game and had no shots this, in the second half. Actually reminds me when I was saying saying this to Troy earlier and um, with Superbad, you know, um, where they have the house party yeah. and the guy um, uh, punches the other guy and he's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I was saying Detroit, it was almost when you played Barca in the Champions League where you don't want to score first and make them angry and then, them and, then, and then give them the chance to come back at you. probably is <laughs> like, right, let them just be in cruise control here. Don't let them take it too seriously. Let them get and we'll, ju- we'll, we'll do better next week. I mean, Glenn Murray probably went in like, I'm not getting too many scraps here. <laughs> It's, it's, it's just not going to happen. I actually think there should be a campaign that there is no point putting City on TV unless they're against one of the big clubs. Because you don't even have the threat of an upset. It's, it's not exciting to watch. No. They're, they're banking on at some point they're going to stick 10 on someone. That's what they're thinking of. I think that's what... It's, it's something separate, I'm sure. Something separate, I'm sure. Yeah. He's see. not even got to the conclusion of that. I don't know what he's asked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I don't think there's any point putting them on TV unless they're in a derby game against United or unless... Well, I wouldn't even put them on against Arsenal, to be fair. Unless You'd be on, worried about the massacre that might be about to happen. <laughs> unless they're on against Chelsea or Liverpool. <laughs> just don't bother. Yes, yeah, I think Sky are genuinely just going to miss them sticking 10 on someone. They want to see the freak occurrence. Yeah, and that seems to be because there's literally no no other point no, to it's just put them on TV. Um, f- final final thing then uh, to do with football. So Newcastle lost again. Um, do you think they're in trouble? Do you think there's a danger of them going down, or do you think that with Rafa there, they've got enough to kind of? Uh... I can't remember if I said I thought they'd go down at the start. Of the I thought I they'd be close. <laughs> yeah, I I just think I think it's a championship squad. I don't think it's particularly good. Uh, and I think there's only so long Rafa can kind of pull off miracles for. And I think he'll be a bit tired of it. Everyone's tired of the owner situation. They're not spending any money. You create a championship squad, you'll become a championship club. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> Ashley's going to have to bat them in January. I think, Christ, I'm not selling them for anything if they go down. Which seems to be what happens each time. He, each he, time he's like, well, <laughs> he's not going to sell him in the championship because he can't get as much as he can. So he's like, right, we'll go back up. <laughs> and then he still won't sell. Yeah, I think if no one wanted, was willing to buy them after they came 10th, he's just got to have a look. Like, 
Maybe I've got to lower my asking price. If you don't like on Football Manager where you just want to get rid of a player sometimes, you're like, right, I'm just going to have to just get rid of them. Get them off the wage bill. <laughs> and just basically just get I them. Like, so I, don't I, have I to think worry. I paid five million to release someone once. I, was, I literally couldn't even mutually terminate the contract. Yeah, I've I've had it where on my uh, Arsenal save, I've for the last three seasons, I've been loaning Ertzel to Liverpool and paying 50% of his wages. Because he's on three hundred and fifty grand a week <laughs> with a fifteen percent rise in his contract each year, and he's just not as good as what I've got, and nobody will take him for the wages. So I've just had to keep loaning them out until his contract eventually expires. <laughs> um, okay, if we move, if we move on, then so uh, probably so we don't really want to get on to. So last Friday, Groves, I won't say let us down. I feel like I don't want to do him any disservice. No. No. He uh, he didn't get the job done to one of the most dislikable families in boxing <laughs> history. One of the most oh. dislikable trainers in boxing history. We've not heard the end of it since. Um, I think he was outmanned. Uh, I'm not going to say outclassed like some headlines are saying because, I mean, it was a close fight. Yeah, exactly. It was a good close fight. I think. I don't think Groves would want to make any excuses. Um, I mean, without talking down on him, I think he's if he had an excuse, he would have he would have said it, and he may well have put the "I don't want to make excuses," but and and use that. I think regardless, he was never going to say his shoulder because it's not a good look if if you go into the fight like we said earlier in the night. Um, I think just the size was a bit too much. It could have been too soon. I mean, fighting what? Three time, three times in the space of twelve months at his age, at his time of his career. After some of the fights he's been in, bearing in mind he's tight the weight every time as well as we know. I mean, he's not either someone where, like Anthony Joshua, where he's got to kind of the highlight stage of his career without taking a punch. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, he he's not been someone. That has been backed from the start. He's he's, the hard way, yeah, he's made himself into a position where people kind of have to have to show his fights. Like, I suppose if he hadn't had the fights with, say, like Kenny Anderson, then going later into his career, people might not have bothered to put him on TV if no, he exactly. lost the fight to the Gale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because each time he's gone in, he's not been the guy. He wasn't the guy against Eubank Jr. Um, the favourite going into the fight with Callum Smith was um, Callum Smith when you looked at the tournament odds beforehand. Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of been making it for him each time. And I mean, I think he'll be hurting now. When all said and done, he looks back at his career. I think the frotch one's going to hurt, but he he can, I think he'll look back and take it for what it was. Like, I don't think he'll look back unhappy. Yeah, and they were also there was an element of they were history making, weren't they, with Wembley, etc., etc. And it was a, it was a crazy event. So you can look back on that with some amount of pride. I think similar to you, I don't necessarily even know if the shoulder itself was an issue. I just think it's difficult going straight from a fight camp into surgery into rehab into a fight camp. I just think he didn't look, and we'll come on to what Callum did as well. But I thought he didn't look as fresh as he has done or as sharp. I thought he, the shots he thrown were a little sloppier than usual and weren't as accurate and crisp and sharp as they normally are. I thought that was telling of maybe a difficult camp. Um, 
and a, a lot of people have kind of put that down to age, but they've kind of been waiting to use that for him anyway. Yeah. They've said his age was going to show in the Eubank fight, and it didn't. So he is only 30 years old, as much as his hairline might tell you different. <laughs> so, yeah, and as you alluded to, I think the main thing was what Callum was doing. I think he's freak at the weight. Just yeah. Way too big. That in itself is going to cause 90% of fighters a big problem. And the problem being, as I kind of said with Groves, I thought, his problem is going to be in terms of establishing the jab is that he's going to have to come into reach a little bit. And obviously, Smith does have power. And that's what happened. I mean, he was caught out by having success each time. Yeah. And I thought the thing that Smith showed that maybe we hadn't seen before, a relatively good amount of composure under pressure. When he did get hit from Groves, he took it well, rode the shots well, held his feet well. He knew what shots he was picking in return. He was picking his shots. He's always been a good finisher, Callan Smith. Yeah, we know when he gets him hurt, he does. Um, and I thought his his shots looked crisp and sharp, like more than I'd seen before. Hands looked a bit quicker. Well, I was thinking beforehand that other than finishing guys, I haven't seen him be like a huge puncher. It's more been like mm-hmm. when I've seen him, it's been someone considerably smaller than him or it's been... Uh, like a body shot, he's caught them in the right yeah. right place. I don't know if I jinxed it because I, I did say to you about a body shot on the day of the fight, but I did <laughs> say that would be early. So yeah, maybe it was you didn't do a preview. Maybe that jinxed it. Yeah, that's what I didn't do one to <laughs> not jinx it. Um, yeah, impressive from Smith. In fairness, um, showed a level above what people thought he was. Even if you thought he was a puncher, I thought he showed a lot more class than that. If he was anyone else, then we could have literally had it as like a person in a torch, right, he's going to be our guy. Even even him himself, I don't think, is a bad guy. It's, he's not, it's just literally everyone around him. Yeah, the trainer's annoying. Uh, his brother's obviously kind of harammed it down our throats. <laughs> it actually pissed me off her getting in the ring after. Well, I, I thought he was... He's done nothing for you since you turned down to the girl. Like, now, whether you think he should have or not, He's your promoter. And you went into a world title fight and he didn't say anything about it. He didn't give it any... I know it's not... Until the zone had the rights for it. Yeah, I know it's not a matchroom show. I know it's their job to do it. And I know he uses it as an opportunity to slag other promoters and say, well, it's not my fault they're not as good as me, etc, etc. But you're you're a guy who you're happy to say now you've taken from his debut to a world title (laughs) and you haven't done any promoting for him and the whole thing. It's shameless. He was doing interviews in the ring, Heard. yeah. While they yeah. were celebrating, I yeah, haven't I watched know. it because I couldn't I put myself through it. The one with Coogan. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't. I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's shameless. I mean, the thing was, I mean, if his brothers weren't there, I would. I mean, I still like watching him. I won't say I don't like watching Callum Smith, but I could probably still get behind him by the fact that I'll put the Joe Gallagher thing to one side because I do like watching you. But the whole package is just—it's all a bit much, ain't it? But, you know, the people said about a star is born. I've, I think I've made the case to you before. I think he's the case of one of those fighters that Hearn's underpromoted in terms of you have here someone who's in the super middleweight division, which has traditionally always been quite popular in this country. You have someone who's freakishly big, a massive puncher, coming out of Liverpool who you think we could build something here in the city. And I think well, until now, a lot of people didn't know who he is. Well, I can say, even even if you're not going to, like, the first time I saw him was when he fought Tobias Webb on that show in Cardiff and mm. you were already talking about him then as like 
how much you really liked him, someone you're excited by. Yeah. We didn't know quite how bad the Smiths were <laughs> at that point. Social media has kind of helped. Yeah, we helped to see that. A but, case of the more you see, the yeah, less you like. But I mean, I mean, you were on the train media. early doors, and I think maybe the train was delayed, <laughs> and you got off to save yourself. Well, yeah, I think yeah, the, the train delayed is a good sort of analogy to use, but even if you think he hasn't always looked. Well, he's never looked as good as he did in the growth fight. I think as a promoter, you'd surely be looking at it thinking, I've got a, potentially a highlight reel sort of guy here. After the, I can build There was him. no excuse think, after the Rocky Fielding one. And I think mm, Hearn's yeah. issue is he offered him pay-per-view against DeGale, which he wasn't happy because he couldn't make the money from it. And then he's seen DeGale get beat. And he's like, that is like, that would have been... I've had pay-per-view, I've had my guy make the money and become the champ on pay-per-view. And I think begrudgingly, he's just he's, he's then just not really been too fussed by him. Because um, then if you think he picked up Eubank pretty soon after that, so then he was able to kind of get on the Eubank train and then he's at AJ and now it's kind of like, if you're not AJ or Bellew, then I'm not really yeah, not too fast. That's exactly my criticism of him is he's kind of gone all in on those trains and he's forgetting people that he could have promoted a lot better. But Bellew promotes Callum Smith better than Hearn promotes yeah, Callum Smith. Yeah, yeah. He just doesn't have the same credence because he promotes everyone from Liverpool, so it doesn't have much meaning to it when he's saying how classy he yeah, is. Yeah, it kinda of gets lost. I mean, but, I'm pretty sure he said Paul Smith wouldn't disgrace himself against Andre Ward. <laughs> he said um he picked Derry to beat um, O'Hara. Yeah. And when when asked about it, he was like, come on, he's just going to So it's like, <laughs> you're going to need to give us a bit more foundation to it than that. A little bit like uh, when Spencer Fearon picked what was to beat Lomachenko. Yeah. When asked why, he just responded with a Jamaican flag. Like, <laughs> you're going to need to give us a bit more, Spence. But in all in all fairness, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Callum now because they're talking about a homecoming fight. I don't know who they're going to get. If it's maybe a mandatory or what, get out of the way. And then all the champions now are kind of relatively unproven entities. He's going to have some vile mandatories if he, with the belts he has now. So he's going to do all right with the WBA one. With, I don't know if there's any pressure. I know with the ring one, you have to face the considered number two or three, I believe, every, I'm not sure if it's, 12 months or if it sounds about right yeah to keep that ring belt which I think now they've won it they might think you know what we're not too fussed well the whole thing with the ring belt as well is that it's supposed to be sort of the man that beats the man so if they strip it off you it loses a bit of credence because you're then winning a linear belt that isn't a linear belt anymore if that makes any sense so it's it's interesting because like Benavidez Ramirez even this guy this guy I can always struggle with his name they're all you can see good things about them. You can see maybe a little bit of bad, but they're pretty much unproven. And as is Smith, other than against Groves, he's given the, the performance that would probably put him at number one because of who well, he was against. I'll tell you, the WBC belt is now vacant because Benavidez got popped. Oh, really? Yeah. And to make a change, he actually came out and said, fair and I'll own up. Oh, no, no, no. I did see this, yeah. but wasn't that for Coke? I'm not I thought sure. he got popped for cocaine, but either way, I didn't know he'd been stripped. The, well, the WBC, if you fail a test, they strip you. Okay. And he's got a ban, I'm pretty sure, because of it. So then who's... I saw someone saying it'd be 18 months. So who's going to be fighting for their belt? Well, he, you think he's going to be right up there, and 
But then the problem is, because Callum's now got the WBA belt, normally you'll be straight out of the rankings for the other ones. So you'll be straight out of the WBC rankings. So then it'll go to whoever's next. Anthony Durrell's going to be up there. For Hearn has a pretty good relationship with the WBC, though, in recent times. I mean, they managed to get in the diamond belt fight for a start. Yeah. So that probably helps him get a WBC ranking. Yeah, true. So I'm not too sure. I mean... Either way, it's, it's kind of... He, he has all the tools to become undisputed at that weight. 100%. I wouldn't rule him out against anyone. I think the style to beat him is going to be someone... like I don't think you can be a medium guy. Like I think you're either going to have to be in his face and be able to put up that style, or you're going to need to be a master boxer and be able to do that style. Like Groves is somewhat in the middle, isn't he? A little, yeah, a little bit. Like he more on the boxer side, but a boxer puncher, isn't he? Yeah, where you you kind of need to, like you said, one or the other with him. Yeah, and Callum Smith. I mean, the the size of him. I don't know. I don't quite know how old he is, but you'd imagine if it's something he can work on, then he might see that power now and be, oh, it's actually a bit more than I thought, and he might sit down on his punches more against certainly against some some fighters because Groves he probably knew that he wasn't going to be able to barrage forward and he was going to have to use his footwork against someone else. Like, who's cat's a guy, he's going to be able to stand and he's going to be able to plant his feet there. Trade. Yeah. But, I mean, we don't know what his chin's like, so that could be a great undoing, but he took growth shots, okay? And with that yeah. size, he's going to be... It's just going to be a case of how long he can stay at the weight for. Yeah, and everyone says he makes the weight fight. Everyone close to the camp, you don't know how much that's saying it, but then... After a fall of this, you'd probably have every reason to say, yeah, the weight was a bit of a struggle, but they've also know he breezes it. It might just be one of those freaks. Yeah, and you do you do you get think, like, them. He is a tall, sort of like lanky sort of build, so it's not like he's the, a thick sort of build. But the he is thing is that that can, that can go at any time. Eggington style. <laughs> yeah, like it can get to a point where you try one cut and all of a sudden it's just not coming off. I saw someone say that, um, that Groves is going to do that a little bit like Selby before the fight and that kind of shook me a bit maybe he did who knows I think um, he's going to look and he's going to be hoping that Eubank or DeGale look impressive against the other or they both beat 12 bells out of each other he picks a winner and then say well I've got the a belt but if you want to fight you're going to have to face me in the next three months do you months. think because they're all about getting field in a decent fight I think in December do you think if he gets a win do you think they'll say right have another go because so, in a strange way a one round blowout can kind of get you away with it that oh I got caught with one and you can rebuild that way I think you can but I mean the way I don't pay- know how people are buying to it the way pay-per-view is going now I mean you can't they, have pay-per-view that can you well that's the thing I mean they're going to try it with everything so they, I can actually see uh, if they can get a voluntary, them making the Bramer fight and saying they couldn't make it in the Super Series because of the injury and <laughs> see if they can get that done. Oh Jesus Christ! Because that you'd see what you'd see what cleverly was able to do to him, and you think Smith is probably fresher <laughs> than uh, cleverly. I'm not sure Bramer was going to want any of that. I'll be honest. Well, I think he'll take a payday. Maybe. And I think he's the type that will fancy himself regardless. Maybe. But if you just look at the other guys who they're going to take as a voluntary, unless they're going to take someone outrageous, but I don't know if you can with 
um, having the ring belt. Um, Gilberto Ramirez, Cinnamon Box Nation a couple of times, he's certainly beatable. Since such split opinions on him, some people saying like, he's the truth, he's the next thing, and then others saying well, I thought he's, that was, he's waiting to lose. I thought that with Benavidez, like, I thought he looked like the guy. Yeah. But you never know. And his classic guy, he, he it's very clear how you're going to beat him. But he's one of them where you're going to have a hard night and you're going to know that going in. Yeah, he's going to... He'd be, oh, there's a reason the Gale swerved him. He'd have been a nightmare for him. Jeez. Any chance to get Truax in? You know what? You wouldn't rule it out, would you, Hood? Carson Jones-esque. <laughs> get him back. <laughs> He'll probably be up super middle now. I can't think I saw... Caleb Truax call out the other day, but it was someone where it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been a pleasant fight. Yeah. Um, if we move on, then just finally, well, actually, if we do a little bit, so Eubank, hopefully that fight does come on with Degale. We saw JJ McDonough. <laughs> Eubank, not I a good know, look. Did you see his interview from the changing room where he's laughing about it and he's like, "Look, the guy's saying how bad his shoulder is, and then he's willing to bare knuckle box me. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> that bad." Which I mean, we we said that at the time. It actually really irritated me. Because don't take the fight if you're not fit, or if you if you're not fit, don't complain after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, there's been a betting scandal since, hasn't there? Yeah, so. that stuff. Like, I didn't think um, that fight that uh, Eubank said he fought with one arm in his second fight, and they both kind of mutually agreed between them. Oh, that's probably a journeyman. It was Jake Ball, the guy who fought in the second. Yeah, fight yeah, yeah. Football. Which is JJ Madonna's best win. Yeah, so, so ironically. <laughs> So that's not bad, and he's actually gone on to look all right, uh, Jake Ball. I mean, he's he's like a solid domestic level fighter. I'm not saying he's a, he, he's like the Mac Daddy, but oh, yeah, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Van, Van Arnold, fresh right, off splashing the reporter on deadline. Right foot was that? Jesus, <laughs> I just assumed it was Zahar when it went in. Looks like Langston in the middle of that. Uh. <laughs> all right, if we uh, if we move on, then um, just finally, so. Does LeBron need to prove himself or should LA be grateful to have him? I think we'll probably... We probably don't even need words to answer, do we? <laughs> yeah, so no, the LA media seem to think differently to the rest of the world. Yeah, he, he absolutely doesn't need to prove himself. I mean, I think uh, the stage is with uh, the NBA now. It really doesn't matter who you play for. Like, saying how he needs to prove himself to the Lakers now is like saying you need to prove yourself to Arsenal because they were the Invincibles back in 2004. They have the worst win ratio over the last five seasons of any team. Worse than Philadelphia, who were famously obviously trying to be shit. Yeah. and The process. LeBron LeBron knows what he brings, which we've both said that we we like because he's not kind of playing like the overly humble card. No, no, no. Uh, I, I was all about my teammates. Fake and all humility this, yeah, and all that. He, he knows how good he is. Yeah. Um, Lakers fans are clearly overprivileged because if you get the best player in the world, you should be bowing at his feet. And I think it's only going to take one game. And anyone who says they aren't happy with him there is soon going to change their mind <sighs> when they realise what the difference is with and without him. Anyone not happy with it must be the most entitled fan ever. Because like you said, they have been... Awful. Well, they They've seem, had nothing well, they for seem, years. They seem to be saying it like it's some allegiance to Kobe when Kobe himself has said, "Like I'm, I'm glad he's here." <laughs> yeah, and presumably when Kobe turned up, you weren't happy because he wasn't fucking. He wasn't Shaq. Yeah, so it's, 
there's always there's always like a great player before. It doesn't mean you can't have to compare him to the last one. No. Um, if your thing is you're a historically great franchise, then you're going to have a lot of great players. So don't... And it's a superstar league more than like a team league. Like yeah, it's not like you sign for United. It's like if you get the choice, do I would you rather like support support the Lakers or would you rather support LeBron? Like you're going to be taking LeBron. He's going to be far more. Literally, signing him changes your life. Yeah. So why you and for four years? It's the largest contract he signed since he left Miami, and it's... he won a championship with Cleveland. They say about like commitments, like he said, he's like he actually can't do any more. He can't sign more than like <laughs> that. It's ridiculous. Uh, That's the thing. I mean, I've, I've seen... strange way of treating him. Like I've seen uh, some others say it, like the like Steph Curry and Durant can go somewhere else and they can be the same. It doesn't matter if they're at the Golden State Warriors. No. Like, you can have a great Bucks team. You can have a great 76ers team. Yeah. It's not like in other sports where the Patriots, United, yeah, Barcelona, that kind of thing. The, the only similar sort of parallel I draw to it is um, when great players go to someone like Real Madrid, they get a similar sort of treatment where it's sort of like well, okay, you've done it in other teams' colours, but we'll see how you do in ours. People forget, because obviously everything he's achieved since. But when Cristiano Ronaldo first went to Madrid, he was actually treated with a little bit of sort of disdain at first, because he didn't... I, I say he didn't hit the, the numbers he's hit, and he scored more than a goal a game, so he obviously did not. But a little bit of a slow start, as you. far as he goes. And they was kind of saying, like, or maybe he's not quite out cut for Madrid, maybe it's you know, a different level over there. So it's... It is just a sort of an arrogance of your sort of local media, I guess. I don't know what they like expect him to do. Like, he doesn't owe those fans anything. Like, what LeBron? Yeah. Well, the other thing is he hasn't. We haven't like, got into the season yet, so <laughs> you say, how can you show your commitment? He's, if he was going uh, during the season and going and just shoot, shooting films or something, or in the games he clearly wasn't trying or, or whatever, then you'd think. All right, maybe you can it's, have a go. But we haven't seen anything yet. It's not like he's a free agent working out for them and they're taking a chance on him. No. He is taking a chance on them. He's taking a big chance on them because... For four years. So he's trusting them to put the pieces in play around him as well, which he didn't trust Cleveland to do. Yeah, and he's gone out to the West where obviously there's great teams well, there. And... He's not, not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, he's gone... He's, Gonna have to play Golden State earlier than he would have done, probably. So he should have if, gone if to he Philly. He could have joined like the Rockets and probably beaten the Warriors yeah. alongside Harden yeah, and, and Chris it, Paul. And if he really wanted to, he could have gone to any bum franchise and kind of turned them around a bit. Changed our bum life. Yeah, and he happened to change it for fucking LA, and then they have the sort of it is, isn't it? It's like giving a tramp food and them saying like, <laughs> well, actually I would have preferred something a bit more gourmet or something which does actually happen yeah. <laughs> he's giving That's... them four red panty years <laughs> it's red panty night every night that he's at Staples yeah he had it oh jeez he had his first uh, pre-season game yesterday I think and he, I saw he, did, him... he did look good in the Lakers I saw him say like it felt, felt different or whatever all that that's the thing, like no one. He's even actually done like the charm offensive exactly right as well. He's even as ever, but he's always well, bang on the money. That's the thing. I think if they weren't being the way they were in the media, I think he'd say like, "I'm excited to play for this franchise. I, I, I kind of want to do it for the Lakers. I want to be alongside these people." Yeah. But I think they're getting his back up, kind of say with the way they're saying it, like 
you've got something to prove here. And he's probably looking at himself and his credentials like, I've got nothing to prove like to yeah, anyone. It's a stri- it's strange that they're even asking the question. It really is. I mean, but... the, the woman asking the question, the second it left her mouth, she, she seemed like, I really don't know what I've asked this question. <laughs> I saw um, Skip and Shannon kind of mention it, that some of the media there are not necessarily... Sports media. Yeah, and they kind of just been enticed in as a story and he's come to LA and stuff like that. So you can kind of give him, a, I guess, a bit of a let Well, it, it felt like... Um, so I, I think I've met, I think I've mentioned it before. So whenever I've done it, whenever I've done interviews, I've always kind of just done my own questions. I've asked maybe you, Rory, or whatever, if you have any suggestions. Yeah. And when I was interviewing Michael Venom Page for Front, because they had spoken to Paul Daly, they insisted that if for to have like a feature, that I take his quote where he had essentially insulted MVP and his previous opponents and asked for a reaction on it. And I really didn't want to do it because oh, my heart no. was not in the question. And so I asked him the question. As I said, he got his back up. He hung up on me. Oh, God. And it literally felt like that with the way she was asking it. It was like, I've been told to ask this. Because she then backtracked and she was like, oh, well, we were just speaking to fans outside and that's just what they thought. So I would ask, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, awful, isn't it? So I, I think one one game or even just a first close game they have probably the first time they beat someone they shouldn't beat yeah when they have a game it's a big team that he ends up like you know hitting some crazy numbers or something and people will quickly be converted I think I wish he'd gone to the 76ers him and Ben Simmons would have been fire and Joel Embiid yeah what problem they would be him calling Simmons little bro yeah oh, I love that and we're forgetting Mark out folks he should have come, he should have come to the Knicks with Paul Zingis. Paul Zingis has got to prove his fitness. And Kevin Knox. But anyway, imagine if Kyrie does want to go to the Knicks and he just <laughs> preempts him like you ain't coming here, son. <laughs> well, I mean, we've done longer than usual. We're now on about two hours and twenty minutes. We're going into Rogan territory yeah. <laughs> with better content. And you uh. know, they don't watch Bournemouth Palace on Rogan's podcast, <laughs> do they? With live reaction to Patrick Van Arnholt scoring with his right foot. Match companion. Exactly. But until next week, thanks again for Rory to <laughs> giving us an hour of his time. Um, Precious time. Yeah. Good of him. <laughs> Troy, as always, hopefully we come back to a McGregor win or I'll be looking foolish. Um, Connor has promised to still be on, but we'll wait and see what happens there. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Give us the uh, usual on SoundCloud, iTunes uh, and all that business. Thank you. Listen, I ain't going to forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Some might.